0: There's no more room in hell. The dead will start a
1: podcast. You believe in life after death, Mr. Moore?
0: Everybody and Welcome to No More Room in Hell, number 38. This is Mike, and joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. What is up, Mr. Venom?
2: How are you? Meetings and salutations, trick-or-treaters. Uh, I'm doing pretty well, Mike. How you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty decent. Uh, anyone that listens to Fresh Cuts heard about my receiver issue, so in oh. the con- t- continuing saga, uh, <laughs> they, at I'm least, sure they at least, least have the Yeah, in case we have listeners of both shows, um, Uh -uh. I won't ever repeat the saga, but I'll just add new chapters. They officially have it now, so hopefully it averages five business days for repairs and ship it back. Of course, the asterisk is, unless it's a more complex uh, repair, then uh, you'll be, be emailed, so... Hopefully sometime in this work week, I will get a notification from them saying it's headed back to your doorstep. But on the bright side, I did find some uh, audio settings on my TV that did enhance it, at least so I don't have to jack the volume crazy high like I was initially. So uh, bright side to everything, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Joining us as always as well, it's Derek. How are you, Derek? What are you doing?
3: You guys forgot to add. Because it was great that, I'm going to quote Insane Clown Posse right now, Voodoo, working for the magic now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we found our end song, I guess. <laughs> oh, God.
0: <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, if, if that didn't tip anyone off, we're going to be talking a couple of Voodoo zombie movies later. Uh, I just figured, you know, when I was trying to come up with my picks, um, I just was like, you know, zombie movies, what doesn't really get talked about much lately? I was like, I know, voodoo zombies. So I looked at one from longer ago and one a little more modern, I guess what they consider modern now. Although, well, we're probably a decade away from that being called like a classic era in itself, but uh, not yet. So we'll be talking Plague of the Zombies and Serpent and the Rainbow later as our main features, but before that, we're going to do what we always do and get caught up on some stuff we're watching. So Venom, I know you've been watching a ton, whether for shows or leisure lately, so why don't you start us off?
2: Yeah, folks, most of what I talk about today is going to be more classic stuff, unfortunately, with all the podcast prep for October, Um, plus, you know throwing in a few new watches periodically for fresh cuts i uh, i just have like zero free time i've already seen a movie today and i need to watch two more after we're done recording so that'll give you a little idea of what i'm dealing with in october but uh this next week is going to be like the brunt of it uh once this week is done it'll free me up a little bit to actually start enjoying my october not to say i don't enjoy podcasting of course but you guys you know especially the people that work with me you know that i go a little overboard in my prep you know multiple watches blah 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 so anyway having said all that i will bring a new movie to the table today and uh since mike let me go first i'm gonna go ahead and snag it because i know all three of us have seen it and this is of course the newest release from a24 uh, just hit theaters two days ago. This is this is as fresh as they come, and of course this is Lamb, um, directed by Vladimir Johansson, also written by Vladimir Johansson, um, starring no one of consequence, uh, a bunch of Icelandic actors that you know uh, most of us have probably never heard of. But Naomi uh, Rapeace. Oh shit! I didn't even see that there. Yeah, you're right. I did recognize her. God damn it! Yeah, you're right. Yeah. The girl with the dragon tattoo, of course. Yeah. So anyway, among others, of course, Prometheus as well. Um, So yeah, this is a fairy, this is marketed as a dark fairy tale, and I guess that's one way to put it. Um, Once again, the tried and true A24 formula is present here. Uh, You have an hour and 46-minute movie that's basically a drama for an hour and uh, Forty minutes, and then you get all the horror at the end—very uh, Saint Maud and the witch and things like that. So, um, man, but even compared to Saint Maud, this is an incredibly slow burn. I mean, it, this this movie has minimal dialogue. I mean, there's probably like. 20 pages of dialogue in the whole film i'm pretty sure the first 15 to 20 minutes had zero dialogue there was no talking at all we basically were just watching this uh man and wife uh farmers uh sheep farmers who you know are taking care of their land we see them giving birth to multiple you know uh, lambs uh, you know over the over a couple of days and then for anybody who's seen the trailer you know that uh, at some point a lamb is born that suddenly makes the couple act differently treat it differently things like that i don't i'm obviously not going to get into spoilers here but uh This is very definitely a dark fairy tale. We've got some great performances here. Cinematography is absolutely stunning, Um, especially uh, because they shot in Reykjavik, Iceland, which is a part, depending on what time of the year they're filming, the sun doesn't set. And it looks like uh, because there are no night scenes in this movie. This whole movie takes place during the day or at least in daylight whether people are sleeping, working, eating, fucking <laughs> it, it, the sun is out. So, um, so it's, it's very kind of off-putting. Um, you get a sense of dread almost right from the onset. You get a sense of sadness from the couple that we don't get any kind of confirmation of until I'd say about halfway through the movie. But um, ultimately this is going to be another divisive movie. I, I have a feeling that, you know, um, younger, horror fans are not going to gravitate towards this. I mean, it's A24, folks. At this point, we know what A24 gives us. Stunning performances, you know, great set pieces, beautiful cinematography, you know, usually great scores. Uh, This movie doesn't have much of a score. I don't think I heard any music until The Lamb was born, which was probably, like I said, about 20 minutes into the film. So it's it's a very... Um, How can I put it? It it definitely plays with your emotions on a subconscious level, like you may not even realize that you're kind of, you know, uncomfortable or watching something that's kind of dreadful because there's no score accompanying it, but it still hits hard. Um, The ending, I mean, it's not as much of a payoff as we've gotten from past A24 films, but um, it's still effective. And it's a little ambiguous, unfortunately. Oh, I I, should shut up. It's very ambiguous, uh, which I know is going to turn off a lot of people. But ultimately, I did enjoy this film. I'm not going to sit here and say that it'll end up in my top 10 at the end of the year. Um, I, I had some minor storytelling issues, some minor pacing issues. And this is coming from a guy who loves slow burns. And I still have some minor pacing issues with the second act of this film. But overall really really enjoyed it i don't know that it's must watch of uh, viewing by any stretch like I, I, you don't necessarily need to go to see it in the theater but like i said because of the stellar cinematography um you know it's going to look spectacular on whatever large format screen you see it on so yeah a lamb uh, i will give it up to uh, you guys cuz i know you guys both watched it as well
3: yeah <laughs> it's a movie <laughs> It, 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 the thing is with lamb is I I didn't have, I did dig it, but I don't know if I could just fucking recommend it to everybody. Like everyone's like, is it good? I'm like, I liked it. I don't know if you're going to like it. You know, like I had this conversation with Lacey yesterday. She's like, you think I would like lamb? I'm like, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, like <laughs> Probably not. Maybe. I don't know. You know, it's, yeah. it's a hard movie to recommend. <laughs> so, because, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to, I'm going to walk around the spoilers, but watching it, I'm like, this is like a fucked up version of Paddington.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> right? <laughs> 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 you yeah. Know,
1: for, the,
3: for the most part of it, like Dern and, I, you know, it was weird when they bring another character into the movie. Mm -hmm. It it was, you know, and there's some weird relationship shit with that, which kind of dwells into how the climax ends because it it doesn't end well. Yeah. (laughs) Not so what, you know, but, uh, because, uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm actually kind of, this isn't really a spoiler because I'm going to talk about something in the trailer. Well, because I'm not gonna really talk about it, but but I'm just glad no one fucked a goat in this movie. Because that's where I <laughs> thought it was, you know, from watching the trailer, I thought that's where it's gonna uh, fucking go. That was gonna be the big reveal, and it wasn't. So that's uh, good I at know. least. You know, I have, like
2: I have more faith in a two four than
3: that. <laughs> but, but you know, like you don't you never know like these type of movies with animals, and especially well, what's no. happening in the movie. You're no. like, how did oh. that happen? It was, better, it was in the expect- back
2: of my head, that's for sure. But
3: Yeah, yeah, you know, but I'm like, thank God they went a different way. And, you know, yeah, it's got, like, that folk horror fairy tale-ness to it that I love. And, yeah, I agree. Like, the, the sudden and the look of the movie has a great atmosphere to it that adds to, like, what the yeah. fuck's going to happen, you know. But yeah, I dug it for the most part. Like, I, I'm still processing a lot of it. I do want to rewatch it down the line to see how I feel about it, then I will pick this up. I, I did enjoy it enough to actually want to watch this again. So that, that's good. At least, you know,
2: oh yeah i mean if this if this thing gets a 4k release i'll jump on that just just for the cinematography some of those shots there's one shot in particular of the river that they live near that i'm in the theater and i I didn't see it in imax or any kind of special screen and i was still just in awe of that one shot just the way the sun was hitting the water it it was very effective even though the majority of the movie is overcast like Not really clouds, but I guess fog, you know, rolling through the hills and everything, because they live live up in the mountains of Reykjavik, so they're not in the city, obviously. They're sheep farmers, so. Um, But yeah, yeah, I'm definitely on board for a 4K of this, too.
0: Yeah, something um, that surprised me was, you know, Venom, I know you don't watch trailers. Yep. i I still do, for the most part. So, you know, I don't watch every single trailer, or when they release multiple trailers, some of them I don't watch all of them. But I did see the trailer for this, and I actually think, probably on purpose, the trailer did a lot to kind of keep it ambiguous as to what exactly is going on. Now, you could make your guesses based on the trailer, but mm-hmm. the thing about the movie is it doesn't make it ambiguous. Like, it, I think maybe for, like, minutes after the birth of the lamb they like purposely avoid full-on showing it but once they do it's pretty much nope that is exactly what we're seeing Mm -hmm. and you know i i think it's very important that this gets like the dark fairy tale label over horror because Uh there's definitely some themes of loneliness isolation and i think there's some allegories and going on i think there's uh there's things about the main character in this uh what the heck is her name that she's played? maria there's some choices maria makes throughout the movie that i think are worth discussing as far as what leads us to the conclusion unfortunately I feel like it's a missed opportunity for us, because despite the fact that this is a new one that all three of us have seen, it is so new that I kind of don't want to just come out and start just dropping spoilers about it. Yeah, Um, I I, I will say this is one of those movies where it's it's hard to recommend. It's hard to predict who's going to like this, who's not. Well, I I can say I definitely know some people that probably wouldn't. But beyond them. It's hard to say. I mean, I thought it was well shot, uh, well, well done. It's a it's very Uh, minimalist in its approach, other than the outrageous kind of idea of what's going on. But um, it's really kind of character driven with the small cast. And when we do kind of get our couple scenes of like that, just kind of drop your jaw, it makes it worth it. But it's a very slow journey to uh-huh. get there i think this is about what an hour it looks it says hour 46 on imdb uh-huh. so that running time might be an issue with some people just because of um how little they perceive is going on I'll, i mean i'll say personally I, I enjoyed it um but like derek said it's a hard one to recommend to people uh-huh. I, I would just say you know if you've seen the trailer or you've kind of seen ads for this and it interests you in any way, check it out. Just don't expect like a hardcore horror movie here. Um,
2: yeah, you're not it's, it's getting any third Yeah, you're definitely not getting any kind of high octane high octane action sequences, like a malignant um you're definitely getting more slow pace. Even like like Mike said at the end, when you actually get kind of a reveal of what's actually happening, it's still done very subtle and, you know, not necessarily in your face. Um Oh, and then, Mike, you were listing some of the themes in the film. I, I think you missed like the biggest one, or at least the biggest one that I took away from the film, and that's grief. And I yeah. think that I think people miss the 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 um, uh, the commentary of grief in this movie because I noticed that when we joined the movie, um, you guys know the five stages of grief, right? Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. In when this movie opens, this couple is already at stage four, but we don't know it, you know what I mean? Like I right. said, when you first start watching it, um, there's obviously a sense of malaise throughout the entire thing. The couple doesn't really talk a lot to each other, you know, they're not constantly touching and kissing or whatever, you know, even though they're young, they obviously haven't been married for that long. Um, but the fact that once we actually get to a reveal about halfway through the film, it totally explains like the whole first half of the film and everything. So yeah, I mean, that was what I took most from it was just that subtext of grief, because I mean, what would drive people to do what these two people did with this lamb, if not
3: grief. So
2: yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Dark Mm -hmm. version of Paddington. Like I said, I'm okay with that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And,
0: and, and one of the, one of the actions that, um, one of the main characters takes at a certain point in the movie almost foreshadows what ends up happening to yep. someone else later on, <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I, I, at, the, at the yeah at the time you don't realize that it's being pretty poignant in the way it shows it until the end when you're like, uh huh, because basically yeah. it goes around and comes around in some way. It,
3: it, yeah, it's kind of like a, this it's kind of like that scene in *Cannibal Holocaust* with the turtle. It kind of plays into another character later on in that. (laughs) It's kind of the same way.
2: Valid, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was the longest what we've been watching we've ever done.
0: (laughs) For one movie? Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah. It might might happen
3: again. A few. Somebody brings Uh, I got a feeling it will, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this will probably be a quick theatrical run on this one. So I would expect it to, like, be available uh, VOD soon enough. So I would say, hey, if uh, you're interested... Check it out. Give it all. If anything, it's 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 beautiful to look at. Yep. Um. All right, Derek, you're next up. I know uh, you got some good stuff too.
3: Uh, I actually won't bring up one of the theory yet because I think we'll save those for when somebody else brings them up. I want to talk about Winter Beast because Winter Beast is a movie that I have heard about for years that I've never seen. It's a film that was made started in 86 it wasn't finished until 89 but it wasn't released till 92 and uh this film actually kind of holds a special place in my heart because it was filmed in my home state of Massachusetts right in Newberry, Mass uh it's a fucking terrible movie <laughs> it, but it's fucking amazing <laughs> I was dying laughing throughout this film uh the thing about winter beasts is uh, I'm not sure because I actually didn't watch any of the special features because the, it kind of feels like they made a movie around a certain other effect sequences that maybe shorts that they did and put it together into one movie. That's what it feels like because the whole main plot of winter beast is about, it's kind of like the small town in wild goose, Massachusetts, uh fake name of course,
1: uh,
3: <laughs> but, uh, Ends up getting cursed with a Native American curse, and it awakens the Winter Beast. But it's not just the Winter Beast. There's tons of other monsters in this movie. Uh, Some very cheesy stop-motion effects, which I love. Great core. Terrible acting. There's a whole dialogue about an Italian sub in this movie, which is hilarious. (laughs) It's just a fucking... If you like so bad it's amazing movies, <laughs> everyone <laughs> has to watch a Winter Beast. It's a Massachusetts gym. <laughs> you know. Everybody thinks the Jaws. I'm like, fuck that. Watch Winter Beast Yo, <laughs> 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 It's fucking Massachusetts classic right there. Uh have you any Venom, have you ever seen Winter Beast before? I have not, but it sounds amazing. Uh yes, uh Actually, ironic. It it, 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 vinegar syndrome actually put this out on Blu-ray in this nice box set. That I actually, spoiler alert: how I do my 31 days of horror. I actually reviewed all three movies of this. The, they're going to be coming out simultaneously uh, throughout next week. Winter Beast is the first one. Tomorrow will be another movie I'm going to be talking about, and uh, Tuesday will be the last movie of the box set. Uh, it's called Homegrown Horrors, and uh, I like it because it's like Americana, low-budget horror movies. Uh, they have one from Massachusetts, like I said. Then they have one from uh, Ohio, actually. Uh, hmm. uh, I'm going to be talking about that release in a few later for another one we watch if when we get to it. But uh, And then the last one's from Missouri. So I like that. It's kind of like different blends of like Americana USA done with like a low-budget lens, you know. You know, like some of these movies are filmed on 16 millimeter, and Winter Beast is no exception. Uh, It's a interesting movie. I'm not going to say it's a fucking a masterpiece or anything. If you like bad movies, it is a masterpiece. But <laughs> you know, it's a great movie just to have put on and just fucking laugh at it. it I, I was actually stunned because I know Duncan and Bo were talking about it for years. You know, so they're the ones that kind of brought it to the spotlight. Because I remember them hearing about it and, you know, uh, Ricky did it on short bus cinema with Johnny R.I.P. But, uh, you know, it, it's just one of those. It's an experience. Once you experience Winter Beasts, there's no going back. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Well,
0: I need to experience it. Cause it sounds like it's a life changing event. <laughs> um, all right. So for me um similarly to the first one i took my kids to see the second adams family animated film and i would say it's about on par with the first one a little bit i i would say it's probably a little bit better they they basically go on a road trip around the country around the world to different places um it's pretty cool but the the main reason i even brought up that is cuz Uh, In turn of watching that, I decided, hey, kids, I'm going to show you the Adams Family movies that I grew up with, which is uh, the Raul Julia Angelica Houston movies. So we revisited those and very, very good movies for me, at least. I I think when the original hit, man, I was probably like 12 or 13. I can't remember the exact year they came out, but I know it was like early, mid 90s. Uh, 91 Uh,
2: and 93.
0: Ninety-one and ninety-three, yeah. So uh, I was eleven and thirteen um, when they came out. I think the first one's a very kind of good retelling uh, of just classic Adams Family stuff. And then I actually think Adams Family Values is the better of the two. Uh, the whole summer camp side story going on is just incredible. Um, when they have that that finale for Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving play
3: with, with, with is, Peter with Peter McNichol as the counselor.
0: Yeah. people might <laughs> well, recognize him as Janish from Ghostbusters. The giant. The giant. <laughs>
1: uh
0: Yeah, man. It, it's great. And then, um, uh, uh, what's her name? Joan I Cusack.
2: I was a ballerina. I was delicate. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I wanted Malibu Barbie. Um, and then Christopher Lloyd as Uncle Fester it, it just – Amazing! They're very easy movies to watch. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, man. I, I think the big, yeah, the biggest credit of the movies—they're is very easy to rewatch. Just they're they're fun. They run by really quick, and uh, they just did a really good job. Uh, sometimes you know when you take source material from a existing property, you can update it, but you, it has the DNA of the original in it. Yeah. And I felt uh,
3: yeah. well, it's got a good visual style because Barry Sunfold. So. He, he's a great visual director you know like, well he started not, as a
2: cinematographer so it makes yeah, sense.
3: yeah 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 I, I was gonna i was actually gonna bring that up because he yep. started with the cohen brothers uh, you know doing their cinematography he did like the cinematography for, for misery too and yeah he's just a great visual I, I i always dig when cinematographers become directors i'm not gonna say all his movies are masterpieces <laughs> <No>. <laughs> wild wild west <laughs> you know, yeah like,
0: yeah, I feel like they got the spirit of, like, the original property down by not trying to make it too overly grand. Uh, obviously, with a bigger budget and be more modern, they're going to do stuff that, you know, they couldn't have done in an original comedic seri- TV series, you know. But uh, I thought they'd manage to capture the spirit of the original great and the performances. I mean, Christina Ricci, that's really where she got her start is – Wednesday Adams in those movies, or at least what she got really famous for. Um, And man, there's good. I'm, I'm assuming everyone here has seen these at least once.
2: Yeah. You assuming correctly, my friend.
0: Oh my Uh, God. I thought, I I thought we had
2: this conversation last week. Uh, I have never seen an Adams family movie animated or live action, but I did rectify that recently by watching Adams family values, unfortunately i'm not gonna get into I'm, I'm not gonna get too far into my uh thoughts on the movie because a
3: podcast prep.
2: there you go uh you can actually hear my thoughts on adam's family values on the latest uh episode of cut to the chase with dan chase and Lacey lou uh we uh as part of my thrill thrills and chills contribution for that show we did adam's family values and uh A good time was had by all, so check that out. I'm not sure if the episode's actually out yet, because we just recorded it at the end of last week, but look out for that one on the Cut to the Chase feed if you want to hear my thoughts on Adam's Family Values, and that will be the only Adam's Family movie I ever watch. (laughs) Wait a second. (laughs) That that last Uh. statement comes off really wrong, because it sounds like uh, I had a certain opinion of, But you'll you'll be surprised if you listen to, to Cut to the Chase. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Out of respect to Dan and Lacey, I'm not gonna give my thoughts here. Just just in case. I feel you. No. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. yeah, that's
0: cool. That's cool. Um all right. Back to Venom.
2: Alright. Um obviously this is more podcast prep. Uh this is a movie uh that I'm gonna be reviewing. This one's gonna be a really short um Spoiler Fury review that I do for Gary Hill and the Cinema Beef uh, podcast. So I'm okay with bringing it here. Um, This film is from 1995, and technically it's not a Halloween movie, it is more of a Christmas horror film. At least it's set on Christmas Day. Um, this is a Spanish film uh, in Spanish. It is written and directed by Alex de la Iglesia. Oh, do you love my Spanish? Yes, you do.
3: I love uh, this movie, by the way. Oh, God,
2: I, I do now. It was a first time watch. Uh, yeah. And the movie in question is El Dia de la Bestia or to my American friends, The Day of the Beast. Um this is basically the story of a priest who is able to decipher an ancient code that basically gives him the date of uh, the birth of the Antichrist. Basically, it's an equation, not, not so much an equation, but it's like a code that people have been trying to crack for hundreds of years. This guy, it took him 25 years of his life to crack it. He, he comes up with an answer that he thinks is the correct answer and then because of the answer he decides that he wants to commit every sin possible mind you this is a catholic priest and he feels that he needs to um get closer to the to the devil so that he can in turn you know attempt to stop the birth of the antichrist that's about all i'll get into with the plot um but, yeah, this is a fun-ass movie. I, I would probably call this a horror comedy because even though it's not re- technically a horror comedy, there's enough laughs in here to justify it. There's one character in particular. He's a black metal Uh, He works at a record store and he's an expert on black metal. And the conversations that he and the priest have throughout uh, the film are equal parts annoying and hysterical, So depending on (laughs) where you sit with Jose Maria. And yeah, that's a it's a male character named Jose Maria. So figure that out. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I had a blast with this movie. I, I I I was turned on to this movie by Mr. Watson. He um he reviewed it on his former solo cast the Horror Corridor and he gave it a glowing review and it was something that I always, you know, I had on my queue to watch. I knew that it was a Christmas horror film, so I was going to watch it at the end of this year, but because of our friend Gary Hill who's doing a series of reviews for cinema beef where he's having guest podcasters come on and review a movie with the beast in the title um and he basically sent out a list of all the beast movies he could find luckily day of the beast was not on that list i asked him if it qualified it is technically a christmas horror film but he was like fuck it beast is in the title so it's good enough for me so yeah um jerry herring and myself will be reviewing that for mr gary hill so if you want to hear more in-depth details on what i think of the film check out that episode of cinema beef um i'll let you guys know when it's released in the coming weeks, but yeah, Derek, I know you love this one. T- tell me about it.
3: Yeah, man, like that's that whole beginning where the priest is doing all those sins. it's <laughs> fucking amazing. Like, <laughs> I, uh, what a great cold open too.
2: That cold great. open is
3: epic. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I message uh, somebody like about this, and like this priest is one of the greatest characters ever, and it's like the first five minutes of the movie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he is awesome I mean, I have never seen a Catholic priest That is just so open to other ideas Like, just the scene of him in the record store Talking uh, to Jose Maria About metal and bands that are connected to Satan And things And, and he's taking it all like, like no grain of salt at all He's taking it all as fact From this, you know, idiot, drug addict um, You know, uh, black metal fan
3: So, oh, such a great scene yeah, man. And, uh, did, how did you watch this? Did you pick up the 4K or did you watch I did, this?
2: I actually blind bought the 4K, fucking thirty five dollars. But it looks amazing. Worth every penny. <laughs>
3: yeah, because I had the old. I actually had a Spanish Blu Ray of this movie. I imported it from Spain because it, it didn't have a release here for the longest time. Day one pre order for that. I actually pre ordered it with uh, the other movie that they released, uh, *Prada Durango*, which if you haven't seen that. That's a fucking crazy movie too. Coked out Harvey Arba Dem in that movie. Holy <laughs> shit! Yeah, fucking nuts. Uh, he's just a great. Uh, he just makes interesting things. That director. Like I liked Witch and Bitchin too. That was a great movie. Oh, Witch and Bitchin is great. Last, I love Cir- it. Last circus was great mm-hmm. too. Uh, he even did the HBO show Thirty Coins. That's that's a Spanish. Oh, that's show.
2: him. Holy shit.
3: Yeah, he directed all the episodes. You watch I, I that.
2: watched that series. I had no idea that was him. <laughs> awesome. It's good, right? It's good That's shit. great.
3: Yeah. yeah, so, yeah I, the Bar. The Bar was a good, interesting one that he did, too. That was on Netflix. Hmm. Uh, yeah. It's good stuff. Uh, I like this director a lot. I can't wait to see what he does next. And uh, everyone, buy that 4K do it yeah it is
2: pricey folks like i said it, it retails for 35 you might find it for like 29 or something on amazon or some sale but um i never ever blind buy especially a 4k a 35 4k but when i heard watson's review and then i saw that it was getting released i'm like you know what i'm just gonna blind get it if i end up hating the movie then watson owes me 35 bucks but luckily for watson he gets to save 35 dollars <laughs> Mike, sure. I assume I assume you haven't seen it, Mike.
0: I have not, but it sounds like I need to change that.
2: Yeah, watch it at Christmas time. I mean, it's not like it's a Christmas horror uh, film, as in there's Christmas aesthetic all over it. Christmas trees, actually, there's very little Christmas aesthetic. It's just that it takes place on December twenty fifth, so eh, it, it works for me.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Now, now I know what I'm finally getting Mike for his late birthday gift. Probably there you go. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh,
0: all right, what do you got up next, Derek? Uh,
3: oh, hold on one sec. Forgot I, yeah, and I, I needed the Blu-ray out to know the exact title of this movie. My bad. Here I go. <laughs> uh Another movie from the Homegrown's uh, horror box set that I wanted to talk about this is the film from Iowa, Ohio. I mean. Uh, Beyond Dream's Door uh, from uh, 1989 or 88. I think it's around one of those years. But uh, yeah, this is a film I actually never heard of. And after watching Winter Beast, I'm like, what am I going to get into with the next movie? This is kind of a more uh, standard movie in the sense where it's not as crazy, it's not as he still has some hokey acting in it here and there, but it's not as ridiculous as Winter Beast's act and they, they actually tried to do a good job of what they had with the acting and the story. The story's actually very interesting. It's about this dude who's like doing like this dream psychosis test the test his dreams and he, he's kind of dreaming about like monsters and shit in his dreams and they're kind of like po- uh pre-apocalyptic visions kind of like something that might happen. So he ends up trying not to dream, but what ends up happening is, uh, his dreams end up manifesting themselves into reality because of him not dreaming. So yeah, those monsters and shit, they start coming to life on their own and killing people in real world. (laughs) Uh, it's actually a very interesting movie in that sense. And, you know, it, it's kind of different in this. You know, a lot of people were comparing it in some of the reviews that I was doing to Nightmare and Elm Street, but these movies were made side by side. So it's kind of hard to actually look at that in that sense. But, you know, but whatever. It's a little bit different than Nightmare and Elm Street. It's not total carbon copy. <laughs> but I I like the idea that what they were doing with it. And the monster's kind of cool looking in the movie. Big cheesy puppet. I love it. <laughs> All practical <laughs> effects in this movie. And nice. there's actually a weird scene where I'm like, there's like this girl walking down the hallway and there's a red balloon like stalking her. I'm like, did fucking it rip this movie off? <laughs> That's the first thing I thought. Cause it was like the same kind of balloon with the same like white tie ribbon thing. Right. I'm like, Oh, my God. It, it stole from this movie. But, uh, yeah, I love this movie a lot. And uh, for people curious about the special features, uh, I have to give a shout-out to the special feature because one of our podcasts and friends is actually part of one of the special features of this. Uh, as we all know, Mr. Dave Parker, uh, Ohio resident, he, he actually... Uh, does a, a commentary track with one of the actors in the movie. He moderates a commentary track with one of the actors from the movie on this release from Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, so I think to give a big shout-out because, you know, Dave's a Ohio guy himself, so it kind of makes sense. So he, he probably knew about this movie a long time ago and probably could get some co- contacts with it because I think, uh, you know, I think he... It's good. Friends with like the guys from Vinegar Syndrome too, so the, he was happy to help out with the release. So that's good. I gotta give a shout out to Dave. It's a big. It's a big. He made it. He's on a release.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: That's you know, awesome. <laughs> so, you know. So that's good. You know. I actually didn't listen to the commentary track yet, but I give it. I gotta give a shout out. where a shout out to
2: Dave.
3: Yeah. Good shit, man. Hell yeah,
2: La parka.
3: <laughs> yeah partner.
0: Always good. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alright, so for my next one, this is kind of like partial credit, I guess, because I'm not through the whole show, but I did start it. So, these shows kind of hit similar time, and I, I had to pick one um, because I'm I, I'm trying to avoid like starting too many shows at once um, just for the free time I had to watch stuff, especially VOD, when it the whole, you know, the whole season drops at once. And so I have yet to start Midnight Mass, which a lot of people are loving. The one you I suck. did start, in fact.
3: Yeah, I know. you human being. I,
2: that's, that's How do you not I watch mean. Flanagan first? Come on now.
0: <laughs> well, that's because another show dropped around the same time, and that's called Squid Game. And since my kids kind of were somewhat familiar with it somehow, because I guess uh, fellow Everyone's students at familiar, school were talking about it. Yeah, it was, it's I crazy mean, the walks of
2: life that are aware of this show is ridiculous. Saturday Night Live did a skit about it last night. I couldn't believe yeah. it, it.
0: It must just be the Netflix effect, because there's so many people talking about this that I've never heard talk about similar stuff ever. So it must have just got quick word to mouth and just jumped up the ranks in Netflix because, like I said, for all the people that like this, I'm like, I've never heard you guys talk about other, like, foreign, like, damn near exploitation level stuff before. But, hey, if this introduces to you and gets you, like, looking up more stuff, cool with me. Um, But, yeah, so – what happened was I was browsing on Netflix. I wasn't even sure that I was going to start this one. But when I went by this, my kids were like, oh, Squid Game. I was like, what do you mean? God, oh, you Squid didn't watch Game? It, and, did you? <laughs> uh, no. Well, oh, okay. the funny thing is my daughter, well, my daughter actually went to – because they have a, a TV with like a fire stick in
1: uh-huh.
0: their room. And my daughter actually wa- went to go watch the first episode, but she must have started too late and she fell asleep. So I was like, well, let me start watching it. And so far I'm, I'm a few episodes in and I think it's excellent so far. I love what it's all about. I I mean the uh I guess the commentary in it is right there for it to be had. I mean it's I think it's it crosses uh culture and country. Obviously there is there's always gonna be some cultural stuff that you kind of have to navigate that would be specific, but overall the main themes kind of going on should be pretty universal. Uh, I guess, unless like you're a billionaire yourself, then maybe you're like, Oh, what what is this trying to say? But uh, I think for what, 98% of the world (laughs) pretty much, it's going to speak to varying degrees of the, of, you know, how the system works against them. kind of, but Man, it, it's great, and it doesn't pull punches. And, man, Asian cinema has, or I guess TV series in this case, there is something about how they get emotions out of their actors with just, like, facial expressions or, like, scene. Like, there'll be scenes with little dialogue, but just the way they look at each other, they they have a way of having a very realistic characters mixed in with the absurd situations going on that like when you get away from like, you know, the actual squid game itself and just when like our main characters are talking to their parents or children or whatever you care, you end up caring about these characters so much. And, And the reason I say Asian cinema, because it's kind of a reoccurring thing. Now that's not to say Asian cinema doesn't have like it's trash cinema too, where, you know, it's just, there for blood and guts, but when they want to... Wait till my
3: next picks.
0: (laughs) Yeah. When they they want you to feel something for the characters, you fucking feel for the characters. And this is no exception. And I'm not even... Because, like, I've avoided spoilers so I know kind of vaguely from the things, like, people are saying about what comes later that I'm... I don't know the half of it yet, but even just where I'm at, I'm just like damn like if if there's more like emotional punches to the gut to come it's going to get pretty crazy but um i'm assuming you guys have either started it seen it all or somewhere no, in we, between?
3: Haven't, we haven't watched it yet because we watched midnight mass instead like <laughs> okay. I, I have actually watched both uh
2: i'm not going to say <laughs> a word about squid game you, you folks if you don't know anything about this show you need to go in as blind as possible um, yes, I finished it. I will say that I absolutely loved it. It's it, it's quite an achievement, um, but uh, honestly, I, I'm just not going to get in, into any more than that. Let, let's just say yeah, it, it, I g- it gets my highest <laughs> Yeah, it, it gets my highest possible recommendation. So just watch it, please. I'll be watching <laughs> you, tomorrow. it tomorrow.
0: If you had to tell, if someone only could watch one first, would you say Midnight Mass or Squid Game?
2: Well, it depends on what kind of person they are. I'd have to know something about their personality. I mean, obviously, I gravitated towards Midnight Mass first because it's Flanagan and it's a incredible show. Holy shit! I mean, it 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 rivals Haunting of Hill House. It may actually surpass it. I, I may actually watch it again. Um, but oh, yeah. God. Oh god. How many,
0: how many episodes is Midnight Mass? Uh, Seven.
2: Eight oh seven yep yep seven okay but uh yeah just holy shit i I, i've never had such a good time watching people talk about religion and i mean like soliloquies i'm talking like five minute speeches about religion and i'm still enthralled and folks i'm a member of the satanic temple uh religion (laughs) is not really something that i gravitate towards and i'm i'm watching these scenes with my jaw just dropped I I, Like, Flanagan's writing, he he can make anything interesting. If he could make me listen to a sermon and actually be in awe of the actor performing the sermon, uh, Flanagan is a fucking master. At this point, it's undeniable.
3: And and even created a religious bitch that might rival Miss Harmony.
2: Oh, Miss Oh God, yeah, Miss Carmody from fucking uh, The Mist, yeah. Um, ooh, oh, wow. I-, I think I see Miss Carmody more, <laughs> but but yeah, this this bitch in this one, she uh, uh God, some of the shit yeah. she does in the Half of the series, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave that one alone, too. That's a, I mean, Midnight Mass at this point, you know, if if you even look at the trailer, uh, not the trailer, but if you look at even the poster, you can almost get story elements out of it. You kind of know where it's going, but, oh, God, so great.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I've heard nothing but good things about it. I think I've heard, like, exactly one, like, lukewarm comment about it, but otherwise it's been yeah love across the board
2: yeah yeah october is a good time for uh you know genre series you know between those two season three of creep show we got some good stuff to watch
0: yeah i did watch the first i didn't realize there's already two more episodes of the third season of creep show i did watch the first one like i think either the day it dropped or like the friday after because i think they come out every thursday it is and i i watched the first one and i'm like holy shit there's already two more of those that (laughs) i haven't watched uh And the Jill Bob Halloween special was just uh, yesterday, actually. Uh, Or Friday, I mean. Um, With the non-horror movies?
2: Yeah, he did, like, (laughs) non-Halloween movies? What the hell?
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And one was, like, like barely, not even really a horror at
3: all. Oh, God. One's, like, an exploitation movie.
0: Yeah, really? Oh, that was uh, (laughs)
3: weird.
0: Yeah, man. Oh yeah, and I, I think I, I mentioned in la, in our chat or one of the chats like my uh, my app actually glitched out, and I was able like when I went back to go on, on the Halloween special somehow it gave me like the already archived version of it, so I was able mm-hmm. to just fast forward to like the Jason Bloom um, interview uh, with uh, uh, the director of Halloween Kills and G- G- shit if. Yeah, man, their interview was really good. Like, that's – they gave a lot of good insight. Jason Bloom did about how, like, the Blumhouse business model works. And then just kind of, like, their thoughts on Halloween, why they chose to go the route they did with, you know, 2018 kind of starting, um, like, the retcon,
3: basically. Um, question, and question, just to, question. Yes. Did they mention Pineapple yeah. Express at all because it's all I care about?
2: <laughs> On Joe Bob, not likely.
3: <laughs> I don't recall, no. Or your highness, which is the, oh, the your highness, highness. Little stoner
2: Yoda, <laughs> rapist stoner
0: Yoda. <laughs> uh, oh. Um. All right, well, I who even started this one off? I can't remember. What were we originally talking? To- no, oh, the, the end, okay. that was the
3: end of you. Yeah, it was the end of you.
0: Okay, then back to Venom for our final round.
2: All right, well, I was leaving this one alone to see if one of the other guys wanted to bring it up. I didn't want to bring in the only two new movies, but this is the last round, so fuck it. I'm going to bring it in. Um, I have no idea how to pronounce this title. I've heard it pronounced three different ways. I've heard Titane, I've heard Titani, and I've heard Titan just plain old Titan, like if it was spelled without the E at the end. It is a reference to Titanium, so take that mm-hmm. uh, from what you will. But yes, this is the new film from the director of Raw, Julie Decker now. Um, and what a fucking movie. I mean, this thing is an experience. Um t- uh, basically, our movie opens up with a young girl, I'd say maybe five or six years old, riding in a car with her father. They get into a car accident. She has major, major injuries. She like, slams her head up against the uh, car window, the backseat window. She ends up having to have extensive surgery and has a titanium plate in, installed into her head. So basically, her skull is now titanium to, you know, to deal with the injuries from the car accident. And then the movie just kind of goes from there. I don't really want to get into any more plot points because the very next plot point after the accident is like a little bit of a shock just because you don't really expect this character to go there, but she goes there. So um, mm-hmm. as far as plot points, I'm going to leave it at that. And I'm just going to say, this is one of the craziest films I've seen this year. It's equal parts, horror, drama, comedy, fantasy. Uh, I mean, any other genre you could think of. sci-fi, so, you know? yeah. <laughs> um you got some beautiful cinematography some great lighting throughout you got some really really cool set pieces um it's it's hard to kind of pigeonhole this movie into a genre you know i want to say that it's a horror movie but it's really not i want to say it's a sci-fi movie eh, but it's really not i want to say it's a thriller but it's really not so um it's a father's daughter
3: movie, a father's son movie.
2: yeah yeah this is definitely a movie to watch on father's day <laughs> But um, yeah. And then the very last scene. Holy shit. It left me like it left me scratching my head. I'm, I'm walking out of the theater like how am I supposed to take that final scene? Like there's got to be some kind of moral to this whole thing. I, I've been processing that ending for the last week. I, I saw this film exactly a week ago today and I'm still kind of processing how it ended, where it's going to go from there. It's just absolute insanity. It's um oh man, how can we put this? It's kind of uh Tetsuo the Iron Man meets the Greasy Strangler. How's that?
3: <laughs> <laughs> the more serious than the Greasy Strangler. But
2: way strangler. more serious. Oh yeah, it takes it's the crying cares.
3: game almost in Oh one. yeah,
2: you can throw the crying <laughs> game in there. I mean, yeah, like I said, you can't pinpoint what this movie is. And I don't know if you guys remember folks, but I famously don't like Raw. I know Raw was like a universally loved film. Um, because I was back then still watching trailers and everything. I think I, I'm a victim of the hype. Cause you know, when this, when raw came out that there was all the hype about people passing out at the screeners and leaving the theater to throw up in the bathroom. And and you know, obviously as a horror fan, like my nipples are hard just hearing this. <laughs> and then I go to watch the theater and I get an art piece that has almost no blood at all in it. So Raw is still a beautiful film. I understand why people like it, but because I I kind of fell for the marketing, if you will, it didn't hit me as hard as other people. Now that I don't watch trailers, her second movie hits me, and it was just a complete surprise. I am so glad that this is a trailer I did not watch, even though I wasn't 100% sure if this was a horror film or, or not. And like I said, I've watched it twice now. I still don't know what kind of movie it is. Your guess is as good as mine, but... I will say that I enjoyed this a lot more than Raw. I'll say this was more fun anyway. I know Raw is more of a character study, which, you know, definitely works more for some people. But this one has more action, more actual horror set pieces to it, more compelling characters even. Like, I remember not even liking much of anybody in Raw, like, as characters. Whereas here, there were multiple characters that I really gravitated towards and, you know, kind of... I wouldn't say root for or got behind, but I can see their motivation and I, I just thought that they were very organic and believable characters. So yeah, overall, um, Tatane or Titan, however you want to pronounce it. Um, it, it does get a high recommend from me. This is one I think you should watch in theaters. Um, like I said, there's some beautiful cinematography, some really nice lighting and a lot of nudity. So there you go. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. There's
0: time. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
3: Uh, this movie, uh, how can I follow up that? Like in, uh, the, the thing with raw is I'm not really gonna. This kind of is kind of, I'm wondering Cause you know, when a certain character comes in like the beginning, like the, after like the cold open of the movie, it's like, is this kind of in the same world? I'm like, what the fuck is going on? But you know, that's for a different story, you know, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but there's somebody that might be from the movie Raw in this movie. <laughs> but uh uh yeah. So that's a, that's interesting how that goes and what happens to that character. It's interesting <laughs> where they take it. But uh yeah. And then, you know, uh it's you know, and then you know, when she does the thing that she does in the beginning too, it's like, Oh, they went there. This is the <laughs> fan fiction I needed you know but uh then it goes into a totally different movie and then we introduce the like French Christopher Maloney which is the greatest character ever <laughs> fucking French Stabler from fucking SVU <laughs> yeah. just shoot steroids for the rest of the movie it's fucking amazing <laughs> you know <laughs> I'm like thinking like this feels like a like a Takashi Miki movie in some oh, yes yes this thing has Visitor Q
2: vibes all over it.
3: Oh, yeah, it's like, it's like like yeah, a Visitor yeah. Q or Gozu is like yeah. those weird characters that you meet in like one of those movies. It's like it's weird in that sense. It's even got like some David Lynch vibes to it a little yep. bit too, especially with that fucking ending, but, which I'm not going to spoil because it,
2: it's, a heavy
3: it's one. the it's it's the prequel to a franchise that I needed. Let's just screw that <laughs> way. <Yeah. laughs> I'll, I'll everyone, go with that. Everyone knows what I'm talking about because I talked to these guys about it in our private chats. It's the way that that franchise should go. Make it a prequel to that series the way that we need. But, uh... (laughs) Yeah, it's a fantastic movie. Like, I I agree with Venom. Go see this in theaters before it's out because it's an experience. Yep. Uh,
0: This movie has a little bit of everything. Like Venom said, it's... Very French. Um, (laughs) uh, Not just in language, but just the style. Uh, I think, yeah, I was excited because, you know, from the director of Raw, you know, Raw was a much... Smaller story, less ambiguous, but they, you could tell that there was the director had something. You know, it's like okay, I want to see what they do next. And then this one, they obviously had a much bigger budget, uh, kind of a grander story with a lot more characters, a lot more going on. Um, it, it's a hard movie to pin down in any one specific genre. I, I think it purposely avoids trying to pigeonhole itself. There's man it's like you'll laugh you'll wince your jaw will drop you'll be confused you, you this movie will give you like every emotion because I, having only seen it once myself i was still processing it like for the next couple of days i was kind of like looking up other reactions possible explanations just to see what was going on and i, I think i came away with you know a semi decent understanding of like different themes going on, some that I had picked up myself, but others that were a little deeper. That you know, with with seeing other people analyze it, it made a ton of sense. I don't want to get into all that because like I said, or like it's already been mentioned, this one isn't as new as Lamb, but it still's only like what been out a week and a half, I think. Um, so yeah. people should you know they should see the theaters I, I will say you know I'm I'm kind of surprised this one even got multiplex showings but maybe it's just because of lack of other stuff that there's room in it I, I personally in my city was playing at the multiplex and the art house theater so I just went to the art house theater because I'm like they can get the support whenever Yeah, I can get it you know I, um,
3: I, I feel I feel it's because it's from the same company that did Parasite you're going to get a lot more like these foreign movies in theaters now because Neon, but yeah, the,
1: uh-huh.
0: neon's kind of like almost like another A twenty four because I I know I when the neon logo flash I know I had seen it before so when I got home I kind of looked up other stuff from them and I'm like okay they're putting together like a pretty good roster of movies too um, yeah because they uh,
3: cause they because they put out that South African movie too Gaia the eco horror mm-hmm. one yeah which, which was yeah. Pretty good. I actually, I'm not going to talk about that one, but that's one I actually enjoyed too because I reviewed it in my 31 days. So they put out some interesting movies. A24 has some competition with Neon. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially
0: if they start making the ones that can get in there because they did, uh, you know, they did it in the Earth, I think. Um, and they got some, yeah, Assassination Nation. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Yeah. That one's good. all
1: right.
0: Uh, Bad hair, eh, not, not great, but, but I mean,
2: basically they're building up stuff. Yeah, Neon seems to be more about the craziness of it all, whereas yeah. A24 is more about character studies and, like, taking their time telling a story. Yeah. I mean, because cause this film, Titan, Tatane, whatever, Um, I mean... The, it, the the pacing's almost breakneck. I mean, you're getting action right from the start. Like right after the cold open, it goes right into stuff. Um, yeah, uh, I I got to say yeah. I I like neon stuff, but I I'm probably personally more an 824.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, 824 at the moment kind of like stands in its own realm uh-huh. <laughs> just because of the quality like it's yeah. like quality movie after quality movie.
3: Yeah, but um, then they did put a Slice, too, so it's not giving too much credit.
2: <laughs> but then they made up for that with Uncut Gems, so we're good.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, just to wrap it up with that, Tane, there's a lot going on in this movie. I, I think some people, they're going to find, like, how the movie kind of switches up things. little jarring because there is a point where like okay we we get her as adult and some something happens and then after that scene it kind of like shifts to Mm -hmm. another whole set of characters that she gets involved in so some people might be like wait what the hell is going on but one but i actually like you know that where where it goes and you know i these are the type of movies when i go to see go to the theater it kind of excites me to see them just because it's a different type of filmmaking. It's not something you're going to necessarily catch, like, every other week. And that doesn't mean, like, every movie I see has to be like this. Obviously not, or it would take the fun out of these types of movies. But it is definitely one of those ones where, like, you walk out of the theater, like, thinking, man, I don't know if all of that worked for me.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: what did work? Holy shit. Like, what a ride and what... What a way, you know, what a presentation of something you just don't get every week when you go to the theater. So I exactly. it was pretty, yeah,
1: funny. yeah, and, sure. I can't
0: wait to watch it again just to like with, you know, after having talked about it and looked up some stuff just to that second view, might even just make it even that much better.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And you fucking you know, the end of this movie, I'm not going to spoil it, but I want to see a crossover where Titan versus Lan. <laughs> Be interesting. Yeah.
2: and ultimately I, with all the great stuff that you get in the movie one of the biggest takeaways i got from it is that in france boy dance parties are actually a thing yeah so i'm, not, I'm not talking about gay guys mind you i'm talking about big butch straight men dancing together no women around literally boy dance party and it's legit so
0: was uh it was a prequel to uh Climax, or are in the same universe as
2: Climax. Uh, They're practicing. I, I, I'll take that one scene in the firehouse over all of Climax. <laughs> oh.
1: hey,
3: hey, hey, I, I did kind of smile when I saw the Wild Bunch Studios fucking logo in this movie. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> the same guys who did Climax.
2: Gaspar <laughs> Noe, he's got his hand in this. <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't be surprised, right? He's French. He's actually
1: Argentinian.
2: Yep.
1: Oh,
0: shoot. Okay.
2: Yeah.
3: I get for assuming. <laughs>
0: uh, Alright, Derek, what do you got?
3: Yeah, I got a... Uh... Fuck, Venom took my last movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was actually my round 3-1-2. <laughs> you
1: know
3: what? I'll bring this up because I watched it. I, I watched the Mech fearson tape finally did you guys ever hear of this i saw the ad i i it looked interesting yeah not the trailer i like a magazine ad for it yeah it's a 1989 uh sort of pre-found footage movie because you know it, it was made when found footage wasn't still a term it pretty much the setup. It's pretty much watching somebody's home movie. It's what it feels like, because it's about like you know it's like they're filming this guy is filming his niece's birthday party with the rest of his family, and you get some aesthetic with the characters. Uh, their their dad just died, and you know it's like kind of hard. To, you know he's still living with his mom. You, you get some backstory within the dialogue during the dinner scene. And all of a sudden, the lights go out. They go to investigate. Uh, there's a UFO outside with aliens. They're like, "Holy shit!" Oh, they run with the camcorder. Oh, you know, you know, you know. Oh, everything's. We thought we saw our aliens. Oh, okay, maybe it was just a gag or something. You know, they're like, "Hey, maybe it wasn't real. Maybe they're not there anymore." You know, it's okay. They don't know we're here. So they end up like, "Oh, oh let's just open the presents, get ready to leave." Get ready to leave, and then all of a sudden the aliens are outside their fucking house. You know, they're trying to get in, and they have the kind of like a siege movie with a whole movie. <laughs> but it's weird. Uh, yeah, it's very low budget this movie, especially when you see what the aliens look like—Halloween <laughs> mm-hmm. costumes, anyone? But uh... <laughs> you know, I—it was interesting. It was more of a curiosity piece than. I would say, is it a well-made movie? Because it's only an hour long, you know. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't stay its course. But uh, yeah, it, it was an interesting thing because this was pretty much pre blair Witch, you know. It's before the word the term found footage film was out, so that's interesting. And it does look like a home movie, you know. Some of these like movies that usually take place during this time period look a lot nicer and cleaner than they usually are. This one looks like it was shot in the 80s on a actual camcorder. So, I like it for that. I like the aesthetic of it, you know. And uh, the transfer on the Blu-ray from uh, American Film Archive and Bleeding Skulls, of course, was transferred from a VHS itself. So, not the best quality, but I wasn't expecting that with this because it was shot in video. So, yeah. Uh, it's still worth it. It's got a, you know some good special features. It actually comes with two cuts of the movie, uh, the McPherson tape cut, and of course the re-release cut known as UFO abduction. But uh, yeah, I say check if you're a fan of found footage. It's it's not bad to add to your collection or to view for your found footage knowledge because it's interesting. You know, it's it's only an hour. It's not gonna fucking kill you. If it was like maybe like an hour and a half, maybe you am like, okay, this is getting kinda of too crazy. Yeah. So uh yeah, I, I do recommend that.
0: Cool. Yeah, that w uh, was my third pick, so I was saving it too for the hen. The Only other thing I can think of is like I watched the first episode of season three of History of Horror with Eli Roth. He, the theme was sequels that uh, don't suck. I agreed with most of what was said on there. I don't know what the hell the first Purge was doing off there, but oh, otherwise, man. I think, yeah, most of the stuff they talked about was. Wait, like the one fine. we
3: reviewed on fucking Fresh Cuts? Uh, uh, unfortunately. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, somehow um, that's considered a good sequel or a sequel that doesn't suck.
3: Hmm. If the movie no, sucks, didn't. then how does it not suck as a sequel? It, hmm. it felt like a shitty episode of The Wire.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: which is <laughs> they, uh, yeah. they did spend like a big segment on Psycho 2, which I agree with, and I think Tarantino was even like making the argument that anthony perkins did an even better job in psycho 2 than he did in the original just because of the arc of norman in it um and then right now literally on my tv in the background evil dead's on but you know who needs to talk about evil dead again not that i wouldn't love to i I would always talk about evil dead but
2: uh you got one more coming. not not officially one pick
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right Venom. well i'll i'll uh say pass on my third one and give it to you so what what do you got Oh, I thought you said you had one more to talk
1: about.
3: No, 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 (laughs) no. I did want to mention I did just see go see Evil Dead in theaters, too. That's why I didn't really have any other new movies. Because there's never, you know, it's like a bucket list thing. Go see Evil Dead in theaters. Like, I have a bunch of other movies that when they come to theaters, I'm like, I'm going to go see that. Because I miss going to the theater. It's happening. Fuck fucking COVID. Let's do this. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, follow your safety protocols if you got to, or if they're mandated, or whatever the hell, and get out to the theater if you can. And uh, Venom, where you where you are, is our theater is back to like getting crazy full. There's no capacity limitations, are nope. there?
2: Yeah, yeah. There and, there are no limits. Um, when I went to see Venom and Shang Chi, uh, the theater was packed. So, yep.
3: Mm-hmm. By the way, were you excited when that fucking end credit scene of Venom happened? I left the theater
2: with a giant erection.
3: (laughs) I bet you did. Does that tell you how I felt about that? (laughs) You're like, finally.
2: Well, not even that. I just thought the movie was great. Uh, Added what we've been watching, uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Um, I'm not going to say that it's a great movie. I will say that it's what the comic book fans want. Uh, it's definitely more for people who are already aware of who Carnage and Cletus Cassidy are. We, you do get some exposition. You get like a a one minute scene of exposition that basically explains, you know, away Cletus Cassidy. But because it's so action packed, and because they don't spend a lot of time on exposition, I mean, the movie's only an hour and a half, it's literally ninety minutes, and it, it gets right to it. I mean, they don't waste any time. And then like Derek said, the uh the the post credit scene that I'm sure most people are expecting anyway at this point. I'm not gonna elaborate any more on that, but yes, I it, it put an ear-to-ear grin on my face and yeah, my nipples were hard.
3: Yeah, December mm-hmm. can't come close enough, huh? <laughs> 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 uh, uh, there you
1: so
3: go. So Added bonus review. Plus, Woody Harrelson was amazing as Cletus Cassidy.
2: He actually really was. And another thing, I, I don't know, I mean, obviously, I don't know if there's going to be as hardcore Venom fans uh, listening to this as I am, but um, what do you call it? I, I Going into this movie, I wasn't sure how I uh, was going to feel about funny Venom. Uh, not to say that the comic books didn't have any comedy at all. Venom had a one-liner here and there, but... But obviously, if you saw the trailer, you see that they're they're going all out with the comedy. Um, I can I, I am very happy to report I was still OK with it. Like funny venom still worked for me. Heartbroken venom worked for me. Like the whole movie worked for me. Like I said, I'm not going to sit here and say it's a 10 out of 10. But if you have venom tattooed on multiple parts of your body like I do, it's a 10
3: out of 10. <laughs> Let's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I gave it a ten too. I don't give a fuck. Fucking Mike.
1: <laughs> oh,
3: <man>. mm. <clears throat> mm, <laughs> Mark, Mike's like great content. We- <laughs> 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 uh
0: yeah. All right. Um well, I guess that's gonna wrap it up then for what we watched. Unless anyone has any bonus things, but no one wants to hear about Walking Dead since I'm the only one that watches it, so oh, none no of that way. to bother anybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe if Watson's listening, because I think he says he still watches it, but other than that, I don't really know anyone that does.
1: Does he a um, podcast? <laughs> 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 I haven't heard
0: Record or listen? Sounds. I don't know. <laughs>
3: Yeah, he's busy yeah. watching Shark Exorcist, too, because the sun made him. I like it. That <laughs> makes me like Little Watt. <laughs> little Watt for life. We're going to get a little Watt on this show. I'd be that <laughs>
0: all right well for news don't got a ton we got a couple trailers for the resident evil movie which hey, they're actually trying to make it like the video game, so that's cool does it mean it's going to be good who knows we'll find out uh man they released the first trailer and it did one of those 90s songs converted into a slow dreary pop song that i'm tired of hearing yeah, but then they also the, released like the international the trailer without it uh, the four Blondes song. What oh. is that? Uh, What's going on? Or I think it's called.
2: Well, yeah, I guess that's their only si- their only hit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just I always forget like the actual name of it because
2: because <laughs> none of us listen to it
0: because <laughs> everyone knows it's like their one song. So you're just like I, when everyone says four Blondes you you're like, oh, that song.
3: <laughs> I probably I probably do know it. I probably hear it at fucking work. For all I know. I uh, guarantee you yeah. oh, that you work I'm in sure. retail, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, they did they took that did the slow down with like pian the piano keys and for no, like it it totally didn't feel like it belonged in there but then like an hour later they're like, "Oh yeah, here's the international trailer which is the same trailer but it's just cut like a horror movie trailer should be." So, it looks pretty cool. Um we just got the announcement that Scream is coming out in january uh the actual release date or five yep so everyone's anticipating a trailer for that soon Uh, probably
3: tomorrow
2: yeah probably when they screen anniversary yep (laughs) i would i would bet anyway i mean it would make sense
3: anniversary day of its actual release that makes sense
2: Yeah, absolutely. Plus, it's a a nice little reward for the people who, you know, are going out to see this 25-year-old movie in theaters, because you know it's going to be the hardcore fans. You're you're not going to get any casual Scream fans going to see it in theaters 25 years later. So, yeah, it it would make sense that the trailer plays before, but we'll see.
3: Yeah, I was actually going to actually go see Scream, but I ended up going to see Lamb instead, just so... Because, you, know, the, the you know, I was thinking about it because, you know, I actually never seen Scream in theaters either.
2: Oh, yeah. I saw it when it came out, yeah.
3: Yeah, so I was like, you know, I just didn't have the time and, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of went overboard with some bullshit. So I'm like, ah, fuck it. Maybe I would have gone to see I would have gone to see Scream today,
2: but somebody made me podcast.
3: <laughs> yeah, like
2: The same person who's yeah. making me podcast tomorrow and I can't see the second night of Scream. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Screw that guy. Yeah, like. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, this I had this written down, and it's funny because I know me and Derek were watching it. Bo's, uh what what show did he call it? the Sunday what for Sunday? Legion?
3: Sunday so, or Sunday?
0: Yeah, something like that. He he did like a live stream on YouTube for Legion, and he was talking about the. The new Hellraiser coming out uh, yeah. that cast, uh, I guess, a transgendered actress woman. and a yep. woman. Yeah. And, of course, the usual uproar that comes with that. And
2: What's funny like, is whatever. that every single person who is pissed off about this is proving that they never read the book. Yeah. yeah. Because if you fucking read don't. The Hellbound Heart, Pinhead is an androgynous demon. Androgynous no sex and uh speaks with a female voice in the book. So actually this casting makes more sense than Doug Bradley. Obviously we love Doug Bradley. He did great work with the character. He did some shitty work with the character too, but he did great work with the p- character. I love this casting. I I just and it's not even like a woke, you know, yay for women. No, no, fuck that. It makes perfect sense if you read The Hellbound Heart. So I'm mm-hmm. very happy yeah, for all for
0: all we know, it could have been studio interference that led to Doug Bradley anyway, and that's no slight on Doug Bradley because he Dude. was an awesome. Pinhead, yeah, they're not going to
2: cast an androgynous woman, you know, back in '88 as the, a- you know. <laughs> a- actually, do
3: you, actually, do you know the history of the Hellraiser? Doug Bradley was actually not even supposed to. Uh, they actually gave a lot of the actual lead Cinebite's lines to Doug Bradley's character, because mm-hmm. if you didn't know this, Butterball is actually the leader of the Cinebites in the novel. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And they all serve you know,
2: Angelique, who is yeah, technically yeah. lead. Yeah, so.
0: yeah, yeah, and especially yeah, with Clive Barker, even, even not just like the Hellbound Heart itself, but just, you know, the scene in which Clive Barker came up in, and his life experiences what he brought like personally from life experience and stuff to his stories like this seems pretty much in line with what he would have written or how he would have done casting to begin with so i don't see the big deal plus i mean really if you go back to the origins of hellraiser and all that it's like the Cenobites aren't exactly the most important part of the first one anyway. Now, that's not to say that this story, they won't be more prominent. It's just that we don't know yet. We don't really know that much. So it's like, let's just see.
3: Yeah, let's just wait to see what comes out of it. You know, I'm I'm excited for it. It's from the guy. It's directed by the dude who did the ritual. Like,
1: really? Oh, awesome. Then,
3: <laughs> you know, David Bruckner, and he did the Night House this year, too. Fucking,
2: eh, I'll forgive him for that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> a, he didn't. He didn't write the. He didn't write these either. You know, they, they, they're they're good directed movies story wise. No, they anyway. are
2: visually. They're they're. I mean, regardless of whether you like Night House or The Ritual, the visually they're stunning. Great storytelling. Uh, the Night House just didn't. You know, we we reviewed it on Fresh Cuts. Go back to that episode to hear my thoughts. But the the short version is a lot of the story points didn't really work for me. That's all.
3: I feel you. Twitter.
2: But it is a beautiful movie. I mean, that house by the lake. Yeah, great setting.
0: Yeah, yeah and Rebecca Hall was fantastic. Yeah. Um,
3: that home record.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's really all the news. For some reason, I thought I had more than that written down, but I really don't. So I, got one thing. I don't know if you guys have more, uh, any news. stuff. Uh, okay, Venom, take it away.
2: Yeah, I just got one thing. Um... For fans of James Wan, The Conjuring films, um, there is a two-part documentary coming out uh, called Bathsheba, Search for Evil. Obviously, if you're a fan of The Conjuring, you remember that Bathsheba is the spirit that um, possesses Mrs. Perrin in the first Conjuring film. Well, we are getting a two-part documentary that will look at the real-world mythology of Bathsheba. Yes, there actually is a lore behind Bathsheba beyond James Wan's film, and uh, we're going to be getting that. Uh, actually, we're getting it this week, October 11th, um, and it premieres on a Canadian network, so I would imagine we'll get it in the States in the coming weeks, uh, legally or otherwise. <laughs> So yeah, look out for that. I, if anyone in Canada is actually listening to my voice, um, well, actually it's tomorrow, so by the time you actually hear this, uh, it'll already have aired. so hopefully you'll be able to watch it, um, you know, uh, you know, after it airs. blah blah blah. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm a big fan of the conjuring films. Uh, I like Bathsheba a lot as a character, so um, as soon as these are made available in our region, I will definitely be checking it out.
3: I got, one, I got one thing. Woo. It, well, okay. well, you know, it was announced that Mike Flanagan was doing uh, oh, the, yeah. house, the fall of the House of Usher. How do you guys feel about that?
2: Awesome!
0: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to really be against Flanagan doing anything at this point.
2: And it's a series, too. I mean, mm-hmm. I would have been okay if it was a feature, but that's a big story to tell in two hours. So I'm very happy that it's a series.
3: Yeah, and I, I think he's also going to be, like, mixing other Poe stories within the series, too. Ooh! Like, little shorts, you know, it's like not just going to be... So, I, I, I dig that from what I was reading from the article. So, I, I'm... Like, I like I am with, like, most things. I have to wait till I actually see what the product looks like. But The Fall of the House of Usher is one of my favorite Poe movies, bits mm-hmm. and price. You know, so I'm excited, you know. Yeah. I wonder who they're gonna play. Uh, who's gonna play Roger Usher in this one, though? That'd be interesting. I want to see some casting on this shit. You know, but but, it's uh,
2: Cumberbatch.
3: Hell yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be amazing.
2: <laughs> that would be uh, that would be huge. But I don't think he's gonna be doing much genre fair.
3: <laughs> for a while, anyways. he's yeah.
2: <laughs> like he's solidly locked into the MCU.
3: Yeah, yeah. He's doing some Sam Raimi horror shit with Doctor Strange. That's kind of
2: every time somebody tells me that a comic book movie is gearing towards horror, I get disappointed because then I watch it and I'm like, Where was the horror?
3: Yeah, like the new New mutants. Mutants.
2: Yeah, new mutants. I I mean, I guess if you're scared of giant bears, yeah.
3: (laughs) Oh that must have been Bo's favorite scene.
2: Oh god. (laughs) I'll ask him
3: tomorrow. Oh, good shit though. Yeah, like, yeah you never know. Yep. But,
0: yep. By the time we record again, we will have gotten this year's Triassic Horror, as well as the start of the Chucky series, and the one that, the one that probably nobody's looking forward to, the Day of the Dead series <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> on
0: Sci Fi Network. So it
3: looks better than the two uh, movies. So I'll give it that.
0: That's true.
3: The two that remake movies, I mean, and the and the unofficial sequel. I might check out one episode to see how it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely probably watch the first episode just to see because, like, when they had that Z Nation show, it was I liked it was fun and stupid. It was like almost the anti Walking Dead. Um, So I'm like, okay, well, it'll get a chance just to see
3: uh, how long I last watching it though. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I'm the same way.
0: Yeah, I'm more hopeful of the Chucky series. Um, just because of who's uh, involved, and it's a continuation of the actual Child's Play franchise.
3: Yeah, uh, it's going to be a continuation of cults, so we're going to get, like, 55 Chuckies.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's the other thing. I'm like, because they kind of left off with that weirdness, so I'm like, are they going directly right from there,
2: I'm actually really looking forward to that, uh, the new Simpsons Treehouse of Horror tonight, because they are spoofing Parasite, so I'm excited. <laughs> oh, that should be amazing. <laughs> uh, from what I can understand, they're, spoof- they're spoofing Bambi, Parasites, and I'm not sure what the third segment is. Uh, I can't find it, but yeah, Bambi and Parasite at the least.
3: <laughs> Bambi. <clears throat> Who are they going to shoot Marge?
2: Oh, Bambi. Oh, I I hope it's Bambi's revenge. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be
1: cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that wraps up for news. Uh, I kind of had a burning question. This comes up every October. And this would be all you know the famous october only horror fans it seems like there's all sorts of opinions on these this section of horror i guess i mean i was speaking to becca uh, like about it i think on her she she posted something on instagram and she took like a the very aggressive uh stance on like if you only like horror in october don't <laughs> don't talk to me about it but I think she was like going after the very select people who, I guess, in October want horror movie recommendations, but the rest of the year look down on it. I don't know a lot of people that look down on it the rest of the year as opposed to just aren't interested. Because yeah. kind of like my opinion on it is, hey, if someone's open to watching it, then I don't care. I'll recommend something. Now, to me, the the bigger conversation is like, what do you recommend to people who aren't normally – Horror fans, because w- my hardest thing about recommendations is that unless I know you, or like per- either personally or you know through podcasting or whatever, where I can kind of have some kind of idea like what your actual likes and dislikes are in a movie itself. Sometimes it's hard to just recommend stuff because I'm like, well, instead of me recommending stuff to you, I'll just list off stuff I like. And if it sounds interesting to you, you can check it out. But I don't know. Venom, what, like, do you have any opinion on like October-only horror fans? Does it even bother you at all? Not at all. all.
2: Um, I'm, I'm okay with it. Hey, I, uh, I, I don't know any horror fans in real life. I work at direct I work with a lot of suit and ties. Uh, they, they barely watch movies, let alone horror movies, but during October, yeah, I'll get people come up to me or obviously now that I'm working from home during the pandemic, you know, people will hit me up on Slack or zoom or whatever. And, uh, I've actually had like a VP, uh, hit me up because he knew, through like a a, a vice president that i've never spoken to never exchanged two words with but through the the grapevine if you will it got to him that i was a horror movie podcaster and he actually sent me um an instant message asking for stuff for his kids not necessarily for him but you know spooky stuff for his kids to watch in october and you know I, i i gave him some of the obvious ones you know the gremlins and the monster squads and things like that but um, I am very okay with people coming to me. I mean, I don't look at them as, you know, fake horror fans or whatever. They're just not horror fans in general. But if they're willing to be a part of the season, you know, October for us, the entire month is Halloween. Hell, for some of us, it's Halloween all year. But I, I'm very okay with it. If 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 10 people ask me for recommendations during October and even one of them turns into even a moderate horror fan i feel like i did something i feel like i actually contributed to the community so i am very okay with those people if you only want to watch horror in october you only watch christmas movies in december you know you you only watch independence day in july whatever the case may be if you're a seasonal movie watcher i'm right there with you brother i i'll i'll recommend anything you want i'll tell you what to avoid I, I love it. I, I'm I'm very opposite of Rebecca on that one. I, I adore it. I mean, literally anybody that I can, even if I can turn them on to an animated, you know, family horror film, you know, uh, Mickey Mouse's Haunted Mansion or whatever, rock on. You know what I mean? It, it's more eyes for the community. I I don't look at horror as an elite group. I want as many of my friends here as possible. I want total strangers, as many of them in here as possible. It's a big community, and for the most part, friendly. I mean, the horror community isn't nearly as toxic as like gaming or Star Wars or communities like that. But yeah, I, I am very okay with it. The the more the merrier. Hell, if you're hearing my voice right now and you want October recommendations, hit me up. I will happily <sighs> give them up.
0: <laughs> yeah, and especially it's like well, everybody has to start somewhere, right? There's always there's always a reason everyone watched their first horror movie. It could have been a parent like sat down to watch something and had you watch it with them it could have been your own curiosity maybe it was halloween in your house and halloween was on tv so everybody comes to the genre much like any other genre of film for sometimes random reason, sometimes specific reason but i don't really hold it against people that haven't explored it yet it's like if, if you're open to it and looking from it, maybe you start because it is October, but it piques your interest and you want to see more. I mean, that happened to me with a coworker from um, one of my previous jobs. Is it started out because it's like, oh, hey, here's this popular horror movie that everybody's talking about, and she was kind of afraid to like reach out just to in general because she's not a big horror fan. She didn't want to come off sounding like ignorant about it, so she just like uh, messaged me on like the work. Uh, whatever you call it, like the intercompany messenger, basically that some companies have. And she was like, well, I watched it cause it's like the big popular thing, but uh, I don't know what other movies are like this. So I tried to put together a list and it kind of went from there. And I, I think that's just sometimes the way it works. It's like not everyone, not everyone's going to have the same lifelong dedication yeah. that we all have. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's reasons for everything. And if, if, if October is just the right time for it to spawn a new fan of horror, then so be it. I say.
2: Uh-huh. I mean, not. I mean, obviously, for most of us, um, you know, we got maybe our first taste of horror through our parents—a movie that they love or a movie that they took us to see. Unfortunately, if you have parents that either don't like horror films or aren't cinephiles at all, don't really like movies in general then you're just not going to be exposed to it until a much later age in your life. So, I mean, if a 40-year-old comes to me and says, hey, I just watched Halloween 1978 the other day, that was awesome. What else is like that? I will I will take all the time in the world to sit down with that person and tell them, you know, every bit of information that I could give them in a short span. Yeah. I Like I said, I, I love, I mean, part of the reason we're all podcasters is we love to talk. We love to talk about this subject and maybe we don't, have enough people in our real lives to to kind of scratch that itch if you will yeah so yeah i mean it, it, when it comes to podcasting absolutely love it when it when it comes to talking to normies about horror absolutely love it i will talk i will talk up horror with anybody hell a catholic priest could come and start talking to me and i will i will talk his ear off about the exorcist
3: <laughs> yeah yeah the, the thing that i have to say about this subject is that's why i'm here I love talking about movies and yep. you know I'm not like one of these podcasts you know you know I don't give a fuck about fucking how many views we get or any of that fucking bullshit. All I care about when I podcast is to talk about a movie I love and if I see people pick that movie up or watch that movie because we talked about it, that's all I fucking care about at the end of the fucking day. And that's all. I that's why I do this. I want people to expose the, the greatest moment ever in my podcast was actually the first show I ever did. Was we did this osbilitation show on twenty two shots, and we put a movie called Wake and Fright in the Hall of Fame, and everyone started to pick it up because they wanted to watch this after our discussion on it, because it's a crazy fucking movie. Mike's seen it. He knows. <laughs> You know, it mm-hmm. so and it's it's one of the best exploitation films of all time, and people got to witness that, and that's because of our review of it, and that made me happy. And, you know, I didn't care like how the show did; I didn't ask. All I cared about was like, I see people picking up the Blu-ray copy of *Waking Friday and that made me happy. That's the, the way I am. I like seeing people explode themselves. I don't really have a lot of people that talk movies with me at my job. But one chick that's about to become my, actually my new boss at my new position, uh, (laughs) she's like, what's good on Netflix? I was like, you might like the fear Street movies. And she watched all three of them and she enjoyed the ride. You know, I know uh, you you guys are different opinions on those, but Uh I think, you know, for like people who casuals, those movies are fine for what they are and they, they're good gateway movies
2: oh they're perfect for casuals honestly yeah just the right amount of blood and gore you know it's not excessive or gratuitous a really good story spanning multiple years and generations um you know i may have said some not flattering things about the film specifically 1978 um i had that was the one i had the most issues with um but I, I overall I still enjoyed them and I would absolutely recommend them to a non horror fan looking for something uh, yeah, to watch yeah. in October. So yeah. Yeah,
3: that's a, a per- yeah perfect and you know I was glad that she enjoyed them at the end of the day. That was, but, you know I, I I got to do that you know and you know trying to do that and, like with other people are like what the fuck's this movie like you should go see La Hemb. What's <laughs> it about? What's what's it about? I can't tell you because then it will ruin it. <laughs>
2: It's about a lamb. Shut up. Go see
3: it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a dark version of Paddington. Go see it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, so
3: good. Yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, that's all I got to really say on the subject, Mike. You know, uh, that's my drive of podcasting. I, you know, it's not about views for me or even like money or shit like that. I want people just to watch movies that I love. Yep, exactly. And, and even if they- you don't
2: love them. Like I, if if I recommend a horror movie to someone and they come back and say that was garbage, that fine, that's valid, brother. Uh, let me try to find something else you might like.
3: And I try to and I try to keep them away from movies like Monster Hunter because I give that movie a fucking two out of ten on fucking Cinema <laughs> Attack.
2: Oh God, <laughs> two out of ten? You're generous.
3: <laughs> I did like Ron Perlman's wig in The Cat.
2: Oh yeah, that's valid. <laughs> One point each for a wig and a cat.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love it.
0: Uh, hey.
2: What else you got, Mike?
0: Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got for that burning question topic.
3: Wow. Yeah. a burning
2: question that didn't piss me off. Good job, Mike.
3: Good job. I, nice. Mike, yeah,
2: really. That's like a first I in like five months. I look to you, Mikey. Why are you
3: kidding me? <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's instead you, I like it. Instead, you can, uh, you can rehash it with Becca if she catches when She'll be like, well, actually, Venom, this is what I meant to say, and then you can argue. But, about oh,
2: maybe. It. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? There's always but, uh, stuff lost in awesome translation.
3: Yeah, but don't worry, Mike. It, 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 it's, it's, too, it's still early. These are your picks for movies.
2: Oh! Yes. Oh! <laughs> I'm not saying he won't piss me off in the whole episode, just the burning question.
3: <laughs> yeah, so the, the, the day is still old, Michael. Oh, it's funny.
0: Hey, are you guys? Are either of you doing a 31 for 31 in October at all?
3: Have you <laughs> been watching my fucking videos on YouTube that I post every day?
0: Fucking, I don't watch shit.
3: Like I know. Are- yeah, you you watch Bo though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a lot. That was a live stream. That's different.
3: <laughs> what the fuck is the difference it's so more convenient it. <laughs> I and, recorded a six minute well, fucking video it's not even
0: yeah but you I couldn't you interact it. with live streams and the only reason I really watched it is cause because you, well, cause I you I thought we were going to record it an hour earlier you
3: Thanks, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Whatever, Michael.
0: Jesus. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're recording at 3.30, and then we weren't, so I was like, all right, I guess I got an you're, hour to sit you're around. Getting like, the, oh.
3: You're getting a DVD copy of Day of the Beast now.
2: Ah! VHS. <laughs> 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 nice.
3: Yeah, I'm give my fucking Spanish Raging B so Blu-ray. Good.
2: Oh, yeah, no subtitles.
3: <laughs> it does have subtitles, but you Make probably not play it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, I oh, like, man! All right. <laughs> because uh, when I look down to take notes, if they speak in Spanish, I still understand what they're saying. Because uh, what were we watching recently? That was foreign. And every time I look down to write down notes, I miss like three lines. I hate that shit. Gonna, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. don't get me wrong. I love watching movies in their original language. I have no problem with subtitles. But when you're actually taking notes and people are talking fast, it's like shit. I gotta rewind. <laughs>
3: Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Mike, when you oh. hatred for the skin I live in. <laughs> I, I even listened to your Rack Table song. Oh, so good.
1: <laughs> no
0: hate on that movie.
1: <sighs>
0: no hate at all. Alright, well, I think we're going to take our hard break then and we'll be back to talk Plague of the Zombies and Serpent
1: and the Rainbow.
2: remain at peace in this village of the undead, this land of the zombies.
1: In this place, no one is safe. No one can
2: hide from witchcraft, superstition, and fear. Even Sir James Forbes, the clear-headed man of science, was forced to accept the horrifying facts
3: young Martinus also says that he saw something on the moors. Something that he insists was his brother. But we know that his brother is dead. We also know that he is not lying in his coffin. Someone in this village is practicing witchcraft. That corpse wandering on the moors is an undead, a zombie.
1: (gasps) A place dominated by men without morals
2: whose blood lusts are excited by hunting a human quarry. When Sylvia Forbes hated the young squire, it was dangerous. But when she
1: fell in love with him, it was lethal. street comes a story of the forbidden world between
2: life and death there's a door to the mystical and you just walk through it
1: somebody brought him back from the grave and i want to know how they did it death is not the end I'll take your soul. You think you can take these people's secrets and just walk away? In the shadows of the imagination lies the ultimate nightmare. Don't let them bury me. I'm not dead. The Serpent and the Rainbow.
0: Okay, we are back and ready to talk about our main features. Before I specifically get into these movies, just a little background on why I picked Voodoo Zombies. It's just it seems like they're le- they're less talked about. You know, the uh, the first movie, Plague of the Zombies, is what 1966, so it predates uh, Night of the Living Dead not by a lot, um, two but years. You know,
1: just
0: two years exactly, and. Now, now the overall genre, you know, voodoo zombies goes back a lot further, but I found it interesting. That this one, like, almost pushes right up against the edge to where what we commonly know as zombies kind of changes. And the funny thing is, like, it's, it was always made a big deal kind of that Romero in Night of the Living Dead never really referred to them as zombies, just ghouls. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was later kind of uh, adopted that they were zombies now initially when you watch voodoo zombies you can kind of see why because with a large portion of these you know the voodoo zombie era uh zombies tend to be brought back to life on purpose through voodoo black magic and usually with a purpose and you usually find that that people are doing it for some type of devious reason and they're the real monsters That theme kind of continues into the Romero era with the people almost being worse than the zombies just for different reasons. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the formula, even though you can almost consider them completely different genres in a way, that kind of dynamic still exists into uh, the Romero era or the I guess the undead era of zombies and really in a, in a lot of horror just overall you tend to see that sometimes the villains are not always the worst people in in the movie um but i think with the voodoo era of zombies specifically uh the zombies are usually brought back for a specific purpose which and we'll definitely get into that in this movie and, you know, they're really not operating on any type of free will They're they're almost instructed or, you know, under some type of spell to do what uh, their masters, I guess, want. And I guess, you know, masters is kind of a heavy, <laughs> a heavy word to use when it comes to the voodoo zombie era, because, yes, there there's a lot of like uh, race stuff going on. Now, I would say not so much in this one necessarily, because this one actually takes place, I think, in like a Southern English village cornwall. this is cornwall right and it, this is more centering around a guy who's kind of like been a disciple of the voodoo uh practices and he's taken the knowledge and brought it back to his village where a lot of earlier voodoo zombie movies would take place in uh haiti or somewhere in the caribbean uh where you would have a lot of like uh colonial um or colonization issues and undertones going on here um so this one is absent some of that stuff but overall i still think we got a pretty cool movie but let's uh get into it uh yeah, the synopsis is terribly long <laughs> uh, <laughs> young workers are dying because of a mysterious epidemic in a little village in cornwall dr thompson is helpless and asks professor james forbes for help the professor and his daughter sylvia travel to thompson uh, or Thompson. Terrible things happen soon beyond imagination. And reality. Dead people are seen near an old unused mind and late people seem to live suddenly. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that. Cause I think mm. this turns into like two more paragraphs. <laughs> this is not really a synopsis, more of a summary, but, uh, let's kick it off. Plague of the zombies venom. Was mm. this your first time seeing this? Uh, and what did you think of it?
2: Yeah. Uh, first time watch for me, um, Hammer horror is another subsect of horror that I'm gravely lacking in. No pun intended. Um, I only own a few and I've seen only a few more besides that. So, um, anytime we get a chance to look at hammer, I'm always on board, but yeah, first time watch. And I had a really good time with this movie. Um, The first act is incredibly English and proper to the point where at at times I felt like I was watching Sense and Sensibility as opposed to a voodoo zombie movie. But that's just because, you know, the festivities don't really kick in in the first act. A lot of character development, you know, a lot of um, proper English people, you know, being polite to each other, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And then about halfway through the movie where we get our kind of our first plot point where somebody witnesses – Uh, An attack. And uh, the attacker is someone that they had seen earlier in the film in a coffin at their funeral. So that obviously adds a lot of mystery to the film, I I would imagine more so in 1966 than today, because obviously, you know, we know we're watching something called Plague of the Zombies, so you know, we're, we're already aware of kind of what's happening with these bodies. But um, what what keeps you engaged in that first act is just the performances, I thought, like, even though there was no horror you know, or supernatural anything going on in that first act, um, you know, just the characters of Sir James and his daughter, Sylvia. You know, the local Dr. Peter and his beautiful wife Alice, who I kind of fell in love with, beautiful brunette blue eyes. Um, we even at one point in the film we get to see Alice's uh Lawrence Talbert style transformation, the slow fade from, you know, normal uh Alice to her zombie form, much like uh the Wolfman, as I mentioned. Um, but that still works okay, you know. Yeah, for nineteen sixty-six, um, it's effective. <clears throat> excuse me um i like i said though the the performances really keep you engaged uh the story. Is fairly interesting. Like I said, in 2021, it's not anything that we haven't seen before, other than the fact that it takes place in England as opposed to, you know, Haiti or some, you know, foreign country like that where they actually practice voodoo. Like Mike said, a local, you know, visits Haiti, brings back the practices that he learns and to, uh, you know, bring back these dead bodies, these people that are dying in this town. Um <clears throat> But, yeah, I, I I even thought the zombies looked really cool. For voodoo zombies, um, they were pretty effective looking. Like, they were legit scary. That that first one that we saw was a little bit of a shock for me because, you know, again, I didn't watch a trailer or anything, didn't look up any information on it before watching it. So I thought it was going to be, you know, kind of like our second feature, Serpent in the Rainbow, where they were just going to be normal-looking people just with a blank stare in their face. But these are actually you know, a a green-skinned, white-eyed, you know, legitimately terrifying zombies. So good job there from Hammer. Um, And then it all, you know, kind of culminates into a a, a fairly satisfying ending, Um, you know, for the most part. Obviously, you know, our big bads get their comeuppance, and our our goody-goods, you know, um, have their at least form of a happy ending, so... Uh, But yeah, Mike, overall, I I had a pretty good time with this. First time watch will definitely not be a last time watch. I I could see myself revisiting this every few years or so. Uh, Like I said, just overall solid, maybe not necessarily anything that modern horror fans are like really going to sing its praises. But I I think if you're a student of the genre, I think you're going to appreciate, you know, what Hammer was able to do with uh, this particular subgenre of horror back in 66. So yeah, overall I had a really good time with it.
0: Alright, cool. Uh Derek, is this your first time watching? What do you think of it?
3: No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. I've seen this movie a few times now. I own the Screen Factory Blu-ray of this film. Uh I like this film a lot. I actually like a lot of voodoo zombie movies. That's You know, when I was growing up, that was kind of my jam. I I grew up with, like, I Walk With a Zombie, the Val Luton film. Uh, White Zombie, of course, the Bela Lugosi. I always dug the aesthetical. You know, there was something different. I like regular, you know, the the Romero zombie films, too. Like, even the Italian zombie movies. I just like, it's kind of a different aspect to them that I like. And this one's no different. I I, kind of like this one is kind of like a mystery like most of the era Hammer movies were it's kind of it goes in line with movies like uh, The Gorgon and like even ironically enough the movie that the same year as this one was The Reptile which is from the same director John Gillen who directed both movies back to back on the same sets wow. so, so, Yeah, you know they actually used the same sets those two movies and they shot them back to back so uh yeah, you know, they kind of have like a certain like mystery element to it, what's going on, and you know the reveal and shit like that. And and I like that this fucking piece of shit lord, a squire, or whatever the fuck his title is, <laughs> is pretty much, much just doing this so you get ten to get money. <laughs> Free labor, you know, Free
2: like,
3: labor. Yeah, there's some text there too. So. Yeah, yeah, you know, you yeah, know? it's kind of mm-hmm. yeah, there is some kind of like. You know the upper class treating the lower class like shit. You know there is some some, sub subtext there. You know in that sense where oh there's
0: in just yeah in the voodoo zombie kind of subgenre overall there's tons of that kind of stuff going on and it's weird because I'm not well schooled enough in all of them to know if that was oftentimes purposely put in there as commentary or if it's just a product of its ton like. I don't know, because I'm not confident in saying either way, just because I'm not well-versed in it enough, but there's definitely tons of that all the
3: time. Yeah, but the MVP of this movie is definitely Andre Morell as uh, Professor James Forbes. Uh, uh, iconic Hammer actor. Uh, I actually liked every Hammer movie that I've seen him in. Uh, the Mummy Shrode That's a great Mummy Hammer movie. Uh, He was in the Hammer version of The Hounds of the Baskervilles, uh, playing Dr. Watson to Peter Cushion's Sherlock Holmes, uh, fighting against, of course, Mr. Christopher Lee as the head Lord Baskerville himself. Uh, That movie's fucking awesome, if you haven't seen it. Uh, And uh, he's in a movie that me and Venom might talk about one day, The Giant Behemoth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know on our other uh, sideshow there. But uh yeah, it's, he's he's fucking great in this and uh a little because like, I did watch this with the commentary before. Uh he didn't get along with the actress who played his daughter at all during the movie from what I heard from the commentary. Wow. So uh that's great acting right
1: there, you know.
3: <laughs> uh you know, and uh, I do feel bad for the girl who played Sylvia because she was actually dubbed in the movie. It's not her voice that you actually hear. So, yeah. uh oh. That's crazy. Actually, uh, my, uh, actually, one of my favorite black and white movies from the same time period is uh, Witchcraft. when she plays uh, Lon Chaney's granddaughter in that movie. And that movie's fucking awesome. We might do that one day, so I won't spoil it. To maybe do like a witch episode or something I gotta think of another movie to pair it with but uh, yeah this has a great cast like you know you have some hammer regulars like Michael Rippers in this as one of the police Sergeant Jack Swift uh, you know uh, you know some kind of racist casting because uh, Lewis Mahoney as I'm reading the cast listen here Colored Servant that's a great cast listen for this time period holy shit uh, I just like how the, all these rich assholes like, decided to go fox hunting, too. They were fucking pieces of shit. And i like, hey, they went over there and they come back to fuck with them and disrupt a fucking funeral.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: you know, they went that way on and, you know, it leads to like them like, torturing this poor girl and then fucking, you know, introduced to our kind of main villain of the movie, Clive Hamilton, played by John Carson. <laughs> Fucking great asshole character right there. <laughs> Massive good heel. Good heel in this movie. Uh, yeah, I like it. The performances are great. You know, Jacqueline Pierce, who plays Alice. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, she's not really in the film too long. And when she does turn full zombie, she doesn't last too long. She's She gets ahead of life. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. You know, you know but... uh Overall, I dig this movie for what it is. Is it the, you know, the best zombie movie ever? Probably not, but it's an interesting one that I think people should check out, especially with the difference between. Because I always seen like the VHS of this back in the day, and I never picked it up because you know it was released by Anchor Bay back in the day, you was know, like one of those clamshells in the Hammer Collection, you know, like uh-huh. of the zombies. You know, I never picked it up few different release. I still never picked it up. You know, and then of course all those went out of print and it was hard to find for the longest time. And, and the Screen Factory started putting all these Hammer movies and I was like bye, bye, buy, because you never know, bye. Because <laughs> uh-huh. I love me some Hammer. Hammer's good shit. And this is no exception. This is a good flick. Good flick. Yeah.
0: I also feel like uh, to Venom's or hitting back on something he said about the makeup, I, I think it might just be because, you know, voodoo zombies had been happening for a while. It looks like maybe they were trying to, you know, take it in a different direction, maybe because traditionally a lot of the voodoo zombies would be like relatively makeup free. They would do something to the eyes just to show that they were like,
1: Oh oh, yeah. And like coming
0: back to life. But this one really looks like it that you could tell they were starting to expand uh what their idea of a zombie was it just wasn't quite to like romero's vision yet but you could easily see how like the makeup in this and make doing something more with corpse like corpses coming back to life uh mm-hmm. could have influenced you know what came after it with romero's stuff and that's i think that's a big difference between like these kind of like later stage hammer Voodoo zombie movies and like a lot of the early ones, like an I Eat Your Skin or something, where it's just straight up they look like they have eggshells over their eyes, and that's really all that would show oh, that they're dead. Oh,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like fucking I, I Walk with a Zombie. I, I love the movie, uh-huh. but, but it legitimately looks like they put like two like fish bowls on their fucking eyes, and <laughs> the eyes look totally fake when you watch it today. Uh, yeah. It's fucking, it's it's fucking like, ridiculous, but. I'm used to it because I watched Jess Franco's Devil Hunter and that fucking cannibal, that naked black dude that's just eating people's fucking... Uh, has these fucking big fishbowl eyes, and they're fucking so fake-looking, they look like they just took golf balls. You know?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: yeah. It, totally ridiculous. <laughs> golf balls. Um, yeah, man. But Plague of Zombies always... Been a fan. I haven't seen it a ton, but I, I purposely picked this one because I was like, I wanted to go back for. If I was gonna do Voodoo Zombies, I wanted to at least do one of them pre-Romero, and uh, this could be it. You know, I, eventually maybe one day we'll do like an episode where we'll we'll look at like the the earlier black and white ones where you know, uh, They have all those kind of characteristics of yeah of those early ones. Um, but I guess Plague of the Zombies is a good way to ease into it because we still get a little bit of insight into what zombies were like before um, the new era, but uh, it isn't quite all the way back. That's like just a total culture shock with them. I, I, I like the costume design. I like the set design in this. It's, it's that nice kind of a hammer Gothic look. Um, just, just well done all around. I, I like the, the mass they make up when they're doing the rituals, all that kind of good stuff. And we get like the mini voodoo doll things. As, as well, so a lot of thought put into it.
3: Yeah, speaking of thought put into it, like this guy legitimately put like all these little stick figured voodoo dolls in little coffins. Somebody had mm-hmm. to build those coffins. Yeah. <laughs> no,
0: definitely not, definitely not CGI coffins back then. <laughs> no.
3: no, no, I mean like in the story, so he actually like. You know, like they look at this asshole's order in history. I need 400 little coffins for dolls. <laughs> you know. That's awesome. You know.
0: Um, all right. Well, that's plague of the zombies. So, well,
2: I, I guess and, we'll uh, Ice cream oh, by Michael Myers too. Yeah. Did oh I even
0: yeah, notice that, the Michael
2: when, Myers zombie.
0: When he gets lit on fire, if that's the one you're talking about, it was yeah. like he had the H2O mask on. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Shoot, I forgot. I forgot to write that down too because that I totally. I was like, whoa, well, we got a Michael Myers zombie here.
3: I, I tried to forget about that because I just talked about that movie and destroyed it.
2: Nice. I'll be destroying uh, H2 in a couple uh, next weekend.
3: <laughs> Did you watch it yet?
2: Not yet, but i I've seen it twice already, and I hate it, so we'll see uh, <laughs> we'll see if it gets any better
3: <laughs> on a side note, you know like when they really like it was actually my when I did that movie last year on Cut to the Chase, it was actually my first time watching the director's cut. I'm like they they could have took like some shit from the r rated version. And some shit from the director's cut. It would have been probably the better version if they mixed it together. But overall, like both versions are like, oh, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: Jesus,
0: Jesus. All right, um, let's go to our second feature, probably one a lot more people are familiar with, maybe hopefully <laughs> 1988 the serpent in the, the rainbow or as i like to call it how many ways can you fuck with uh, bill pullman in 90 minutes because <laughs> wow every every other scene is him getting fooled tricked put a spell on having magic done to him or his something. own damn fault <laughs> yeah despite despite the uh the finale getting like wrapped up all a little too neat and too like, uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, yeah, very quick. And like, Oh, Hey, he made it out a lot because the preceding 90 minutes it it, it starts off, I guess, playful enough with him wrestling around with an imaginary Jaguar. I think it was,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but from there it's like, yeah, every other scene is like a bad dream of his, uh, him being restrained, or him having something done to him, but uh, I'll go back to the beginning with the synopsis. An anthropologist goes to Haiti after hearing rumors about a drug used by black magic practitioners to turn people into zombies <laughs> the The opening said it was based on a true story. I don't know what true story they're talking about, but uh, Derek, what were your thoughts on the Serpent and the rainbow?
3: Well, I think the true well you know this is based on a book by actual the the guy that Bill Pullman's based on. Yeah, but uh-huh but but you know it's it's based it's loosely based on that guy's events let's, let's be honest we all know this we've seen tcm yeah <laughs> Three, Vic, you he, know.
0: He, pro- he probably took a trip to haiti and went to like a a touristy shop and i was like oh like i can design a story out of this <laughs> yeah
3: you know but uh yeah uh serpent in the rainbow it, it's actually been a while since i've seen this movie and uh, I don't hate it as much as shocker. Um, you know, it's, it's not shocker. So that's, that's, it's, it's it's a more cohesive movie than shocker. I'll give it that, you know, it, it, it's a little too long. It, it, it drags in a few places for me. I do like, uh, some of the performances in a though I love Kathy Tyson. She's actually my favorite non-horror movie of all time. Mona Lisa, uh, This is the only other movie I know her from. It's always good to see her. Uh, Yeah, she gets down and dirty in this one, too. Paul Winfield, always fun. I kind of miss him. He's a great character actor that I always like to see pop up in movies. Uh, I like it for the most part for what it is. You got Michael Goh in there. Uh, And, you know, I can't hate a movie that takes place in some parts in Boston, too, because, you know, there's a scene... Down in the Central Park in Boston, near like the John Hancock building, you can see the church near Newberry Street in the shot. Uh, you get a great cameo by Bostonian himself. Paul Guilfoyle is the head of the drug company, uh, which is great because he actually made a little cameo appearance in Session 9 too. <laughs> He's the guy who shows uh, David Caruso and Peter Mullen around the place before they get the job. And he does that weird bat motion. With his hands, you know, he's a great character actor. You know, you you know, he's fun. I like him. I like him on CSI. You know, he's a fun character actor. I like mm-hmm. seeing him pop up in the shit. Uh, overall, I'm okay with this movie. Is it perfect? Probably not, but it's watchable. It's a watchable later '80s Wes Craven movie. Unlike Shocker. Well, yeah,
0: So something I kind of noticed because it was complete coincidence that another uh, Wes Craven movie got picked, I think, in what, consecutive picks or show picks by me. Um, But something I noticed about this era of him, and maybe it's just because he had so much success doing it with Nightmare on Elm Street, then he came back for Dream Warriors, but he does a lot of, like, psych gag humor. Or not humor, horror, sorry. I guess you could, I guess that in certain movies it could come off as humorous, but like, uh, with like either Dream Warriors or this or Shocker or Deadly Friend, all those kind of like mid to late 80 West Craven movies, there's like so much like props being used. He, it seems like he recycles like a lot of the same shops, like, shots. Like, there was a, uh, point in this movie where uh one of the guys i i believe it was Lucien, like jumped out of the wall or no it was uh dargent by by zakes uh he he came jumping out of the wall and i swear it was like the same shot as you saw on shocker when he came jumping out of the tv like same same style and everything i i, I think wes craven just he he gets shots that he likes and then when he goes to the next movie, he's like, oh, let's replicate that in this story with a completely different actor. No one's going to know. But it, it looks very similar. But I also like – Wes Craven seems to like to have fun with you know the uh, environments in his, his movies. There's just all sorts of like uh, practical stuff going on. He likes to use – like different objects, almost everything's possessed somehow, whether, you know, in Nightmare Elm Street, Freddy can take over things, and Shocker, that happens, in Deadly Friend, I mean, you get like the basketball, <laughs> epic, head smashing death, in this one, you have the chair following him around the room, like, uh, it, it seems like the West, very West Craven thing to do that kind of stuff, um, so, I, I had forgot because it's been a while since I've seen this one too, um, but yeah, Venom, thoughts on Serpent and the Rainbow?
2: All right, folks, if anybody out there loves this movie, please cover your ears now. I watched it, I've watched this movie three times in total. I watched it twice when it came out in theaters. Uh, I loved it that much. Uh, I saw it opening night, and then I saw it probably the following weekend the second time. So I didn't watch it again until this week. That's a 33-year gap between watches. And as I'm watching it this week, I re I'm realizing that I must not have been a very bright kid back in 88 because <laughs> this movie is a fucking mess. Uh, I, I, where do I even start? Um, the movie for the most part is fairly grounded in reality for the first, uh, two and a half <laughs> acts. And then the, the climax of the movie goes completely nightmare on Elm street. It's like Wes Craven forgot what movie he was making at the end of this, because that ending does not fit this movie whatsoever. We get an incredibly cool villain in Dargent, um, great voice, great mannerisms, the way he carries himself, just everything. Awesome villain. And for him to get that ending is so undeserved. Um, it should have been just a way more impactful and like I said, just grounded in reality ending. They, they pull out the supernatural stops for, for this climax. Um, I hated Bill Pullman in this. I just at every turn, it seemed like he made the wrong goddamn decision. Now, I understand that he's a company man. So ultimately, he's on orders to do a lot of this stuff. But there are multiple times in the film where he will make the stupidest decision possible, which, you know, advances the story. Sure. But it makes Bill Pullman look like a moron. Uh, there is a sex scene in the middle of this movie that makes no fucking point. I have no idea why it's in here. There's no subtext to it. There's, or at least if there is, I'm completely missing it. It completely halts whatever progress the movie's making. It's just for this drawn out sex scene, which again, doesn't seem warranted. These people met like the day before. And I'm not saying that. People don't end up in bed together hours after they meet. I understand that's a thing, but Jesus, th- these people just have no reason. They're, they're so completely different; they should have zero chemistry. And ultimately, the actors, Bill Pullman and uh, Kathy Tyson, have no chemistry. And at, at no point do I believe that they actually give a shit about each other um, with any kind of you know meaningful uh, impact. Um, what else? Paul Winfield is wasted. I mean, he's good when we see him, but he's in this movie so infrequently that, I mean, he's probably the second best performance in the film, and we get barely any of them. Um, I will say that the set pieces that we remember are still effective. Obviously, the nail, the chair, great scene. But what I noticed on this watch is that they rush through it. For some reason, I remember that, famous scene um, being dragged out more like, you know, working the tension. And as I'm watching it this time, that scene was like a minute long, maybe less like literally, you know, Darjeet says his famous line. I want to hear you scream. And then bam, nail goes through. It's like, there was no build up, There was no tension. Uh, I, I feel like w- uh, Wes wasted an opportunity to really, you know, get people on the edge of their seats there. Um Oh, what else do I have here? Um, I Like I said, the motivation of a lot of people in this movie bothered me. Oh, God, the, the voiceover narration in this movie. Some of the worst fucking narration I've ever heard in a Hollywood film. It literally has no... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's no auditory difference between the narration and Bill Pullman speaking in real time. You know what I mean? There's there's like nothing, uh, no ambient mix, no nothing. It, it just feels drab as hell. It, it is literally the worst voiceover narration I've ever heard in my life. A- at the very least, I can't think of a worse one off the top of my head. I mean, literally, my wife and I both loved this movie when we were younger. Uh, we both talked about going to see it in the theater and walking out of the theater really loving it. But we watched it together this week, and literally every five minutes, we're looking back at each other like, what the hell happened to this movie? And ultimately, yeah, I know. We all get older, we mature. I wasn't reviewing movies back in 88, obviously. I wasn't podcasting. So I'm very cognizant of the fact that I'm looking at these movies in a more critical eye now, with a more critical eye, and, you know... Trying to find the good parts, the bad parts, the stuff that I don't want to talk about on a podcast. But I, I just gotta say, and can that considering how much I love this movie, this last watch was absolutely heartbreaking. Like I, if I would have reviewed this movie without watching it this past week, I would have given it an incredible positive review because everything that I remembered about it was great. But watching it this week, uh, this movie, I I guess the easiest way to put it is this movie has not aged well. Uh, These performances haven't aged well. The story hasn't aged well. Um, uh, The effects, eh, kind of, but not really. I mean, you know, it's subpar Wes Craven, in my opinion, as far as the effects go. And then, like I said, the finale. The finale is so directly taken from a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, you know, pick whatever chapter that it was frustrating. And my wife even made the comment, I think Wes Craven forgot what movie he was making. Cause it just takes such a left turn out of nowhere. Uh the whole thing with him um uh, with the with the nail, when he gets his revenge on Darjet, the nail's moving by itself. It's like so suddenly Bill Pullman is telekinetic, or is this an effect of the drugs? <laughs> He's like scary. if this is, Yeah, exactly. If this is an effect of the drugs and none of this actually happened the way, like if this is an unreliable narrator situation, okay, I can deal with that. But Wes doesn't give us any clues that this is an unreliable narrator. So we're taking this movie at face value. And if you take this movie at face value, it's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. So uh, just to cut it short, I'm just going to say that there are still a lot of scenes in here that work. Um, that are still effective. I still do enjoy the buildup. I like the first act. I like most of the second act, but it, it's just once we get to that third act and everything starts getting supernatural for no reason, it, it just completely loses me. Um, it, it's it's another situation. It, it's a malignant type situation in that if all of malignant was like the third act, I would have liked it a lot more. But if you take a drastic left turn Uh, With 20 minutes left in the movie and what was a very grounded in reality and somewhat believable story suddenly fucking becomes something incredibly supernatural. It's just that kind of tonal shift doesn't work for me. I know it works for a lot of people and that's fine. I respect that. But for me, it just doesn't. So I'm very sorry to say uh, this. This is not the movie I saw back in 88 in theaters. That or I just was a completely different person 33 years ago, which is obviously very, very true. But, yeah, I there is very little positive I can say about this movie, unfortunately. And this is with Mr. Venom's 2021 eyes watching this movie. Mr. Venom in 1988 loved this movie for whatever it's worth. But now I just I I, I kind of bow my head in shame that Wes Craven has his name on this thing. I'm gonna disagree with Derek. I think this is worse than Shocker. I'd rather watch Shocker ten times before watching Serpent and the Rainbow again. And that's unfortunate because this cast is better. On paper, this is a better cast. This is on paper, this is a better story. On paper, everything about this is is better. But in execution, I just don't find it that fun like there's nothing fun about the movie for as bad as shocker is there's some fun elements there's stilly there's silliness to it you know what i mean that you can kind of laugh at and you know get behind blah 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 this movie takes itself so seriously that if if you find it dumb like i do then there's just very little redeeming to it so I, I'm gonna let Mike and Derek kind of handle the majority of the rest of this review because honestly, I have nothing but piss and vinegar for this movie. So sorry, folks, I I, I just can't with this film. <laughs> sorry.
0: We'll, we'll <laughs> Back put to you, the Mike. <laughs> Well, oh, please. On, the, on the box art, it does say from the director of Nightmare on Elm Street. So maybe that even confused him.
2: <laughs> that's what I mean. I mean did, did anybody else? Like, after he burns Darjeet and Darjeet, like, comes back in, like, some kind of weird supernatural misty form. It's just, what the fuck just happened? It, it literally, I literally just couldn't get it. It's like I'm watching a whole nother movie. And yeah, like I said. That's what I was saying.
0: hmm Oh, no, I was just going to say to my point, like when I was talking about the effects and shots and it does seem like Wes Craven, like post Nightmare on Elm Street, tends to like use that formula a lot because there's a lot of people that said like Shocker was a, a Nightmare on Elm Street sequel that wasn't Nightmare on Elm Street because of a lot of the <laughs> stuff that happens in that, too. So you could definitely see the patterns in this little mini era of Wes Craven.
2: yeah. It's just too bad. I mean, this movie's an hour and 40 minutes, and it feels about 20 minutes too long to me. But what they could have done, or what Wes could have done to offset that, was to work, you know, build the tension in some of these scenes. You know, that scene, you know, the famous Scrotum scene, that should have been longer. He should have dragged that out. There was Ooh. no reason for that scene to only be a minute long.
0: Um, he should have whipped it out and then dragged it out.
2: Well, he should have at least like, tor- like, like mentally tortured him first. Like, you know, like bring his hand up with the hammer and bring it down. But then, oh, oh no, I'm not going to do it yet. You, you know, just there's so I mean, this villain, uh, Darjit, I can't even pronounce the guy's real name. But you, everybody who's seen this movie knows who I'm talking about. Awesome, awesome villain with a great voice. And he doesn't even seem to enjoy the torture scene. You know what I mean? Like, I I would think a character like this would get into it, would fuck with them, would mentally torture them first. But like I said, it's just every scene found a way to disappoint me in this movie, which just just very unfortunate. Like I said, Um, I'm not going to take anything away from people who still love this movie. If you do, that's great. Nothing against that. I wish I loved this movie still. I do. I wish I still had the opinion of this movie that I had last week just last week i thought this movie was great and then i go and watch it again and yeah i i just I, I can't i can't in good faith give this movie a good review when i had an hour and 40 minutes of just misery watching it like there was no joy to watching this film so yeah i'd rather watch plague of the zombies again yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I know I'm kind of getting a little bit more, <laughs> no pun intended, venomous on this than I intended, but I, I, I got to be honest to myself, folks. I, I just did not like this experience. It, 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 even taking notes, it was just a, 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 a just I, it was a chore. Getting through this movie was a chore. Watching a movie should never, ever be a chore. It should be entertainment. I was not entertained in the slightest. And I'm gonna leave it at that.
1: Yeah,
2: at least in, in the in the slightest.
1: slightest. <laughs> <laughs> the
2: slightest.
3: Well, well, at least it didn't put me asleep like Shocker did.
2: Yeah, that's valid.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: But yeah, you guys say electric. positive stuff so that we don't leave it with uh, you know my piss and vinegar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, my two highs on the movie are the cast and just kind of like the gags themselves. there's, I thought there were some good gags. I, um, but I really, it definitely I, does drag, and I think it's a little long.
3: Yeah, even I said it was a little long, too. So I'm, I'm with you. It does drag in a few places. Uh, I really like the score, too. I know it wasn't the original score. I I like Brad Fidel. You know, it was an interesting choice because, you know, it was originally supposed to be like Charles Bernstein, of course. That would make it even, even more West Cravener, you know? Right. <laughs> you know? So I was glad that they changed it up with composers on this one. Yeah. So that, that's I, I'll go with that. Yeah, the score was pretty good.
2: I, I'll, I'll go with that. But I, I can't even, I can't even compliment the cinematography. Like you, you film a movie in a beautiful country like Haiti, but the whole movie just looks drab and dull and just. I, I understand it's a horror film, so it, it's going to be a drab mood. But, I mean, you took a beautiful country like Haiti
3: and just made it look like southern Florida. Spoiler, venom: this movie wasn't actually shot in Haiti.
2: Oh, oh, that makes sense then. <laughs> Dominican, were
3: Dominican Republic.
2: Oh, well, that's even worse then because the Dominican Republic's an even more beautiful country than Haiti. <laughs>
3: because during the, when they filmed this, Haiti was going for the, a political and civil turmoil.
2: Oh, like, right, the Civil War. yep, yep. yep. Yeah. But I mean, now that you tell me it's Dominican, I, I'm my my criticism is still valid. <laughs> it should have looked better. Uh, you know, give I mean, me some nice establishing shots of the jungle, you know, nice establishing shots of the airport. I mean, just something. You make oh, he- this movie so just dark and dirty. Dirty. Dirty is a word that I don't use often to describe a movie's look. This movie looks dirty. I I don't know if people are even going to understand what I'm saying. But I understand what I'm saying. So right. take it with a grain of salt, I guess.
3: Oh right, here you go, here you go, Venom. This this might make you angrier. <laughs> this movie inspired the song Voodoo by Godsmack. Ah oh, I like that song. <laughs> well, you know where they really got it from now.
2: Uh, now I have to hate the song, damn it.
3: <laughs> no, no I I would have been very curious because Wade Davis, the guy who actually wrote sold Bookwrights actually wanted Peter Weir to direct this movie with Mel Gibson starring. Ooh. I kind of want to see that version of that movie, this movie now.
2: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I mean, we didn't hate Mel Gibson in 88 yet, so
3: it might have been. And Peter Weir is a fucking really amazing director, you know. You valid, know, yep. You know, so that, that would have been interesting if that actually happened. Make that happen now. Make make Peter Weird just cast somebody else, though. Like Chris Hemsworth.
2: <laughs> yeah. What's funny, too, is that you guys know how I feel about remakes. I'm not a fan. This movie deserves a remake. Yeah, I want to yeah. see this with a good... Give it to a good studio, good director, uh, and a writer, specifically. Make sure you've got a solid writer. Because there's there's a lot in this story to enjoy. I just don't think this version of the story is the one uh, that is going to provide all the entertainment that could be provided, you know? So I, I would, yeah, it's funny too. Cause I always say nothing pre or nothing post 1980 should, should get remade at this point. If you're going to remake, remake, something remake, something older, that younger audiences never saw. Don't remake something from 95 that That's pointless. And I mean, this is from 88. So, I mean, there's still a lot of like younger horror fans, that might appreciate a remake, you know, cause they're probably not aware of this original, but this is one I'd like to see remade. Uh,
3: the thing is with this movie that I feel like why, why it's so serious is because, you know, it's based on this guy's actual events where, you know, he didn't actually really find anything when he went there, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, yeah, that happened. But then, you know, they had to make, like, this whole backstory of this bad guy and all this fucking bullshit. And then you're like, you are going to make it kind of like horror somehow, Wes, come on. Uh-huh. The, you know, you, 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 you definitely tell that there's a lot of studio involvement and a lot of Wes Craven's 80s output. Yeah. You know, so I'm thinking that that's, that's what happened. He didn't really have a lot of control then, like, he had a little bit more yeah. control with like the screen movies and shit like that and you know new line shit but sure you know i
2: mean that's a valid point honestly i mean if i if i heard like if there's an interview somewhere where craven says that yeah there's a lot of studio interference i wasn't able to do what i wanted blah 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 i might respect the film a little bit more yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not going to disrespect Craven. He's still a great filmmaker. Some of his stuff is better than others, obviously. And this this is going to go in with like the shocker group of movies where, you know, maybe not so great. But um, like I said, shocker at least is still watchable to me, if, if even for just to laugh at it. Like, I can't even laugh at this movie because it's so serious. They They take it so serious all the way through. That even when somebody delivers a cringe worthy line, I can't even laugh at it. It just frustrates me. Yeah.
3: Well, that, this just proves that Deadly Friend is the best movie of this era of Craven.
2: <laughs> you know what? I, I might agree with that, actually.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people hate that movie. I, I have a soft spot for that film. <laughs> I
2: don't hate it, yeah. I, I definitely don't hate Deadly Friend.
3: <laughs> Yeah, it has Christy Swanson walking like a crab robot. It's great.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I think Deadly F- Deadly Friends actually uh, pretty fun, even with the nonsensical ending.
3: <laughs> That's the best part. I love it. What are you talking about, BB? <laughs> BB.
0: Yeah, I'm like, okay, did the BB microchip just grow a robot inside you? Like it? it it's it's kind of funny at the same time.
3: Hey, hey, it's a it's a precursor to one of the movies we talked about earlier. Spoiler alert, but yeah,
1: yeah,
2: <laughs> 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 like even the strength of the of the main villain of Dargent, like it, did that not confuse you guys? Like he he was like a normal human throughout most of the movie, and then there would be parts in the movie where he could pick up Bill Pullman and throw him across a room. It's so inconsistent, like, what is this man's power?
3: Yeah, it's like the guy in The Believers, too, like that Barn Sheen movie, The Bad Guy and that.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'll go with that.
3: You know, like, how powerful is this fucking dude, but then he gets thrown to acid and becomes a raisinette. (laughs) 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 Uh, That wasn't racist at all, but yeah. (laughs)
2: Oh shit! Nope, nope, nope. Not of course racist. not. We love everybody. We <laughs> let's move on, Michael.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I guess Wes Craven's 0 for two so far <laughs> on this on this show. Um, of course, you know we're saving the the heavy hitters of his. I guess for a later time. These are more the the mid to late '80s. West Craven outputs.
3: So so coming soon. Deadly friend and nightmare in Elm Street. Oh god. <laughs> oh
0: man. Oh, our deadly friend and people under the stairs. I guess that'll round out like that era.
3: That's oh god. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to see Hair Venom's thoughts on that one.
2: Uh, that's another one that I haven't seen in twenty years, but the oh, last cool. time I saw it I loved it. So Oh <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: Get her, Bob. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, yeah, I guess that'll do it for Serpent and a Rainbow.
3: We should have got Jeff X. Martin on this one. <laughs> uh, I'm
0: sure something epic would have been said either way. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, oh, he will be back. We will make sure of it. He will be back. Um, but until then, let's uh, find out what else people can hear us on. Venom, what do you currently have out there?
3: Oh, God. Okay. I'll try to do this quick. I'll be, wake me up when he's done. Yeah, yeah. Take like a
2: 20-minute nap. You'll be fine. Okay. Um, on our first sidecast for No More Room in Hell, Fresh Cuts, our latest episode, we look at the latest Amazon Prime holiday release from director Gigi Saul Guerrero. That is uh, Bingo Hell. Um, On the next episode, which records tomorrow, we're going to be looking at VHS 94. So that should be fun. A nice little bounce back episode. On the second side cast of No More Room in Hell, Creature Comforts, of course, we've already discussed over the last couple of weeks. Episode one is available where we look at 1933's king kong and that is of course with uh two no more room in hell veterans Derek, who's here with us today and of course mr don and ellie from fresh cuts uh on episode two which will record in the next week or so we will be looking at the 1941 classic the wolfman figured we'd do some universal monsters for october for halloween month so wolfman it is uh that'll be on episode two that will definitely be out before halloween so look out for that um it's not horror okay uh, as i mentioned last episode is taking october off so nothing to report there uh in the Mike of madness we'll be back in october for a halloween episode we just haven't narrowed down our topics yet but look out for that also on the dark discussions podcast network on uh, underwater kaiju from outer space we recently made our triumphant return after almost a year since uh, we recorded an episode, uh, unfortunately, one of our hosts has had some major life issues, both health and other things. So, uh, you know, he's had a rough patch of it lately, but he's back in action um, on the latest episode. We looked at 1966's is Gamera versus Burgon, and we continue our episode retrospective of the original Ultraman series. Check that out on the Legion podcast network. You can find those episodes on the Kill the Cast feed if anyone is interested. On um, uh, what else do I have? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> i Everything I have.
0: My, um, my guess is lots more.
2: Well, at this point, I guess I can go into guest spots, Uh, multiple guest spots for October, obviously. On uh, the Joe Blow Horror Show, I got to do a review of George Romero's Day of the Dead from 1985, the original Day of the Dead, of course, um, which we reviewed here on episode one when we looked at the original Romero trilogy. But we we had a nice discussion on Day of the Dead, a lot of its subtext and commentary, things like that. So check that out on the Joe Blow Horror Show. I also did a guest spot on episode one of The Dark Parade, which is the new podcast from Bo – what's his last name? Ransdell?
3: Ransdell, yo. Ransdell. There you go.
2: Um, His brand new show, The Dark Parade, where we looked at the masterpiece that is 1960s Psycho. I will also be on episode two, which will actually record in a couple of nights here where we're going to look at, you guessed it, Psycho 2, which is funny that Mike mentioned it earlier because now you're going to actually get to hear my exact thoughts on Psycho 2, which I think a lot of us feel the same way about that one. So check that out. That'll be recorded this week. And like I said, it'll probably be out sometime next week on the Legion podcast network. Um, I did two guest spots on Cut to the Chase in the last week. Uh, One was the review that I mentioned earlier of Adam's Family Values, a first-time watch for me. Um, Obviously not a first-time watch for Dan and Lacey. It's like an all-time favorite for both of them. So check that episode out. Also, um, I also did a commentary with them. Uh, I know Mike did one with them as well. Uh, we looked at a Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. I believe I was on volume seven, which is, you know, uh, Hugo, uh, Bart's deformed brother living up in the basement. So uh, check out that episode. Um, they're putting out uh, a Simpsons commentary every day in October. So if you follow Cut to the Chase, look out for those episodes. I'm sure you'll be hearing me on another one of those commentaries coming up. Uh, anyone who doesn't know, I absolutely adore The Simpsons, one of my favorite shows of all time. I still watch it to this day. In fact, as soon as we're done here, it'll be almost 8 p.m. in California, and it's time for the new Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, volume 32. So um, we talked about that a little earlier, so that's something else to look forward to. Um, God, I think that's it for now. Yeah, let's just say that's it for now. <laughs> if I forgot anything, I'll, well, I'll, I'll talk
0: I'm about it. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll circle back after Derek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Derek, what do you got?
3: Oh, what
0: happened?
3: Hey! <laughs> uh, uh, Cinema Attack, uh, we just released an episode today uh, where we covered Trick or Treat in Night of the Demons. Uh, that's a fun show. Really fun, high octane cocaine, in that show good stuff there, and uh, following that, we will be recording an episode of two Halloween anthology films, of course, probably you guessed it, Trick Our Treat and Tales of Halloween. Yeah. yeah. going to be a first time watching me on that second one. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, about it. I have uh, a few guest spots that are coming up. Uh, by the time you probably hear this, this should be out. I did a Bonus commentary with Lacey on. Probably, I think it's going to be skipped to the loo. That makes sense. Uh, it'll be a bonus commentary where we did Hellbound, Hellraiser Two. Uh, fun time, fun time. Where I was like, she, it is a funny commentary because she's like, because it's her first time watching. And she's like, what is going on here? I can't tell you. I'll be spoiling. <laughs> you know. Uh, but listen to that; uh, it's pretty fun. It's pretty much that's pretty much the whole commentary. I can't tell you that's going to be a spoiler. You're going to find out on your own. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was a pretty fun time. Uh, what else do I got? Oh, if you, anybody was wondering about cellular dissections redux, I should start releasing those at the end of October because a lot of the shows are non-horror. I don't want them to get lost in the shuffle of all the horror bullshit that's okay. going on. Which makes sense, you know. But uh, also, I'm also waiting for uh, an outro clip from a certain man who's here with us, Michael. (laughs) Oh, oh,
0: wait, Don was here the whole time. No, no. (laughs) just kidding.
3: (laughs) You know, uh, but yeah, I think
0: he's talking about me.
3: I did. Ah! Yeah, Sleepwalker, the Mike Merriman biopic coming to Hulu. By the way. But uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I have another guest spot where I did with a big giant Russian roulette show that I don't know when that's coming out, but it's going to be every Halloween movie. I did H2O.
2: Oh, yeah, I forgot that.
3: <laughs> uh, we don't know when it's out yet, but yeah, right. the, the, that should be out by the time, maybe a little bit later during the mu- month. Uh, that should be fun. That should be fun, especially when you hear me talk about Halloween water.
2: <laughs> Spooky wow. water. Oh, yeah, folks, I did forget to mention I also am on that Halloween retrospective with Podcast Under the Stairs. I have uh, the pleasure of getting to review Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Oh, that's going to be fun.
0: <laughs> I, you know what's funny is like usually when Duncan – posts like the the call outs for people to sign up i usually Mm -hmm. miss them just because of the time zone issue yeah and i try and i try to look after the fact to see if like someone dropped or someone this one i actually saw and i didn't have the heart to do it because i was like with the halloween franchise it's so Mm. the ratio of good ones to bad ones i was like if i sign up for this like have like this stupid (laughs) <laughs> the stupid time I signed up for the Puppet Master one where I got Puppet Master 4. Mm-hmm. I was like, knowing my knowing my luck, I'm going to get one of the bad ones, and it's like obviously I would do it if that's what uh, I was assigned to. The, the
3: like, I'll just about shit the, this one out. <laughs> and the fuck that I'm thinking about the Puppet Master one, that's not even one of the worst ones.
2: Oh no, 4? That's the first one after the best one.
3: <laughs> yeah, key after the best one.
2: <laughs> yeah, at, at least uh, it's not key uh,
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you you don't want to hear my thoughts on Puppet Master three.
1: <laughs> uh oh.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a more of a Puppet Master two guy myself, but eh, whatever. But uh, I do think two is better than one for sure. Anything's better than one.
1: <laughs> oh my!
0: <man.
3: laughs> I don't know. At least, you, at least you didn't get the fucking stock footage one, Mike. Yep. Oh, Scott God. got touched with Scott got tortured with that bullshit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So as far as me, uh, we'll be recording fresh cuts uh, tomorrow. A new episode's going to be on VHS ninety four. So look for that. That actually, actually, you know, if, if you're listening to this episode, that will probably have already been released because I tend yeah. to release the fresh cuts earlier, just a quicker show to record and edit. Um, and then I recorded, as Venom said, a, a commentary. I did Tree House of or I believe four. Three. The fourth one. Is is King Homer the third one or the fourth one?
2: I think you did volume three. Yeah, so I, I remember seeing your name. Four, on volume host. three. Yeah. Season four okay. five, three. yep.
0: Yeah, and then I I also recorded with uh Dan and Lacey uh the movie Once Bitten, the Jim Carrey vampire comedy movie. Yeah. I don't believe that one's released yet, so they're probably like uh recording a bunch of them to release them yeah. daily. And then upcoming, I have a guest spot on Friday Night Nightmares where we are uh, producing lists of – I think it's our top five movies we want to watch on – like that we would want to watch on Halloween itself. Hmm. So um, probably going to be a lot of movies involving the holiday on there, whether they're actual Halloween like (laughs) franchise movies or not. Because I did ask just to double check because I was like, are we omitting – the Halloween franchise, just because it's like, they're the obvious picks, but they said no, if some of those are in it, you can pick it. So I'm I'm trying to cr- approach that list a little creative, and uh, I want to get into it. I want to save it for the show, but anyone who
3: listens, see what I'm talking about. But and I'm not uh, doing uh, so anything on Cut to the Chase, so whatever. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck them hot.
2: You, got, uh, you still got two <laughs> weeks to get involved. Three weeks, actually. It's only the ten.
3: Okay. And what, the Cut to the Chase?
2: Yeah, they're doing something every day in October, and they're constantly they're never, they're looking for people have, to join. I am. I them my message them every day, they don't want me. Especially
0: the <laughs> Simpsons commentaries. Those are like quick, easy tweets. Oh, yeah. Minutes.
2: No prep. It's awesome. Even though I still did prep for my episode like an idiot,
3: you're a sick bastard. That's why? <laughs> I,
2: I, I, we 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 did a 24 minute episode, and I came in with two and a half pages of notes. <laughs> wow! I, I way over prepare, and and at the end of the episode, I even said it's it's hard to do a commentary because. Um, I, I, you know, I'll have, like I said, two and a half pages of notes with all these facts, all the references, you know, everything in the episode, all the little, um, background stuff that's not in the foreground that you might miss, blah, blah, blah. And, but it's, but when you're doing a commentary, especially for something that's that enjoyable, you don't want to talk over some of the best jokes, you know, especially if anybody, I mean, it's not likely, but if anybody's listening to it for the first time, I don't want them, I don't want them to miss the best jokes in the episode, you know? So I tried to pepper as many facts as I could into the episode, but I think, uh, I think I may have overprepared, but that's okay. You
0: overprepared. Better yeah. Over- but you know what? You, the, the episode you were on was actually good though, because you had a lot of relevant information in the sentence itself, and especially because like, like as Lacey says on almost each one of them, she didn't really grow up watching it. Um, Dan did. But so a lot of the information you share with them is like new to them, especially Lacey. So it's pretty good. Like all the even stuff like I was just happy to hear it said just because there was even some stuff. I don't know. And I have pretty much been watching it since I was a kid. Um, But otherwise, yeah, that's all I got coming up. Uh, Whose picks are up next? Is it?
2: Mine. Oh no. <laughs> uh get ready to read subtitles, my friends.
3: <laughs> oh shit.
2: Actually just for one of them. Uh I'll go ahead and announce it because I've already got the movies picked. Um obviously it's it's gonna be what the week before Halloween that we record the next episode, so of course uh I'm bringing witches to the table. And specifically, I wanted to look at a couple of um, maybe underappreciated witch movies. So I'm bringing to the table 1973's Season of the Witch, written and directed by George Romero. So we've got a little zombie connection there. And then uh, we're actually going to be looking at a movie that Derek mentioned earlier, um, it is directed by the same gentleman who directs The Day of the Beast, Alex de la Iglesia, and that is 2013's Witchin' and Bitchin'. So, yeah, Ooh. two under-discussed witch movies uh, for our Halloween
3: episode. And we yeah. still got a
2: commentary coming up, too, so look out for that as well.
3: Yay, better yeah. picks than Mike, as always, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I like one of your picks, Mike, I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> oh, I did yeah. too. I mean, my first time watched, uh, that was great. The other because one. 20,
3: so... years, twenty years from now you'll be like, fuck this movie.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, as long as I don't go twenty years without watching it.
3: I think that's the key. You gotta pick up that Scream Factory Blu-ray right now. <laughs> I should
2: just... actually. I mean it's worth it. I, I definitely I, I enjoyed it enough to own it. So yeah. Absolutely. I think there's
3: like three commentaries on that bitch too. I could Ooh. be wrong though.
2: One. Alright, Mike. Let's get on. Yeah.
0: Um, between yeah, I was gonna say even for those listening to this, we still got a pretty packed October um, mm-hmm. between this and Fresh Cuts. So uh, look forward to all the content we'll be putting out there in the next coming weeks. So. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this latest episode of No More Room in Hell. We will catch you in a couple weeks' time with a regularly scheduled episode or a regular format episode. And as Venom mentioned, the commentary will be happening as well. That will probably get released uh, close to Halloween. I think Halloween's on a Sunday this year, so at, at the latest, probably the Friday before Um because that's probably going to be a dual-release week. There's probably going to be a Fresh Cuts, No More Room Hell number 39, and the commentary. So it's going to be a packed-ass week. So i uh, yeah. looking forward to all that. Yeah. All right. Well, with that said, thanks, everyone, for listening. We are going to get out of here. We'll catch you next time. It's time to get back out into the lake of fire. So let's uh, say goodbye and start to burn.
3: say goodbye and worship Bill Pullman's hair. Hail Satan! Peace!